0: Black Panther. has protected go the world for generations. It is your time.
1: Step into the spotlight.
0: <laughs> the world's going to start over. I'm going to burn it all. Step into, the <laughs> Step into the spotlight. Is this your king? It's hence today.
2: Episode 221.
0: There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a Womp Rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the poor kids. It,
1: it, it's a trap.
0: It, 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 do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, teen, it, it, let's embrace it, cover where subculture spill over like a vulture carry over. Culture push over, pop culture. Leftovers. Leftovers. The uncool kids. What's this says already been said? Let's pretty sure. That the only talent is the band that's singing. this. hot culture leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a the human torch? It's
3: Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian.
2: I'm Jake. And, and we're the, the leftovers. leftovers.
3: Alright, uh, yeah, It is, uh, time for our Black Panther episode. We are not alone this episode though. We are joined by second week in a row, Mr. Eric Wade. Welcome back.
1: What's up gentlemen? Hi Joe. Hi Kirby. I know they're, they're excited to hear me on again. Glad to be here. Why are you saying hi
3: to people <laughs> that, you're saying hi to two random people.
1: <laughs> Matt
3: Kirby? Joe Vitale! What do you You got, uh, you got, like, you're saying hi to your, your, your two fan clubs, your two fans? Oh, they're definitely,
1: they're definitely not fan club members. No, 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 no. So you're, no.
3: You're, you're taunting people that hate you. That's smart.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah,
3: yeah. Alright, yeah, we're here to talk about Black Panther this week. Uh, and, I mean, this is a uh, long time coming, man. This is, uh, I, if we're going all the way back to literally 2010 when Wakanda was first mentioned in Iron Man 2, And then, I mean, that's when we kind of knew that they were possibly setting up a Black Panther movie. And it wasn't announced officially until October 2014. So, I mean, this is October 2014. Here we are, you know, nearly about three and a half years later and finally getting to sit down and watch this movie and talk about it. So, long time coming, man. And actually, 1966, I think, is when the, the character was created. So it's been it's been over 50 years am I am I wrong Black Panther first appeared in the fantastic Four comic uh fantastic 4 52 I believe um right. and it was Black Panther the character was actually created um in July of 1966 two months before the actual founding of the Black Panther party Wow yeah so oh, wow people yeah a lot of people mistakenly assume that the name referenced the party and and so the character was um they actually renamed the character for a time they called him the black leopard and that that name did not stick um readers didn't like it and then the creators didn't like it either so it just kind of it uh it didn't stick and so it went back to black panther so not as good black leopard i agree i think that the uh, we're gonna go. yeah yeah let me let me um i'm gonna pull up my my uh my bumpers app here because we are going to jump into spoilers in this and i don't want to have a spoiler right now and then have somebody gripe at me for it this is i i'm going to mark the whole episode spoilers but yes um this episode is going to be spoiler filled so here's your spoiler warning
0: this is a pop culture leftover spoiler warning today's forecast calls the spoilers straight in your hole. you have been warned
3: Pussies. Yeah, I felt like in this movie, and we're going to talk about this movie. But I felt like there was actually, um, Killmonger's character kind of had spots, right? And didn't he have spots when he first fought? Uh, yeah,
2: and um, he, he showed one of his spots, I think, early on in the movie.
3: Well, um, um T'Challa had spots when he first fought in Baca, and we'll talk about it later, but had spots painted on his chest i just felt like watching it that it was kind of like a nod to black leopard and i'm just thinking to myself why i don't you know but whatever
2: yeah that that is a good point why why are you nodding to something that isn't even in continuity or canon ever
3: yeah i could be wrong that that they weren't nodding to that but it really felt like they were um so yeah anyway this is the 18th film released by marvel studios and it uh, marks Chapter 6 of Phase 3 in the MCU. Um, Black Panther was the first of the Marvel characters whose movie rights reverted back to Marvel. He had previously been owned by Artisan Entertainment and Columbia Pictures, and then Marvel got the rights back in 2005. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I think at one time Wesley Snipes was actually wanting to be the character... I think this is back in, like, 92, before the Blade films had been released.
2: No, that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. And I'm trying to think... That would have been decent back in the day, a Wesley Snipes Black Panther movie.
3: Yeah, yeah, it would have been. It would have been. And I think they could have gotten away with it. I don't... See, I think... If you're looking at doing it in 92, I still think you're around that time period where they weren't... They were scared to go full on with, like, the character costumes. So, yeah. you know, we're looking at like, you know, the Dolph Lundgren Punisher film back in like 1990 or whatever it was like, all we got was like the, the end of that knife was a, like a, the Punisher skull, you know, and nothing else really referenced the Punisher, um, except for the name Frank Castle. So I don't know.
2: Yeah. It would probably be like city based too. They would probably not do the Wakanda direction in, in the 90s oh, yeah. either.
3: Yeah. He would right. definitely would not have been in the jungle. You know, it would not have been Wakanda based. Yeah, absolutely not. So, um, <laughs> alright, let's, uh, let's jump into the synopsis and everything, and then we'll go over our ratings here in a moment. Synopsis, after the events of Captain America's Civil War, King T'Challa returns home to the reclusive, technologically advanced African nation of Wakanda to serve as this country's new leader. However, T'Challa soon finds out that he is challenged for the throne from factions within his own country. When two foes conspire to destroy Wakanda, the hero known as Black Panther must team up with CIA agent Everett K. Ross and members of the Dora Milaje, Wakandan special forces to prevent Wakanda from being dragged into a world war. Uh, This movie is directed by Ryan Coogler, who directed uh, Fruitvale Station and Creed. Both movies are absolutely fantastic films. I don't know. Have either of you seen either of these movies? I have not.
1: Yes, I've seen both. You've seen
3: both. They yes. and yeah, I mean Fruitville Station, I feel like is more like kind of like uh, politically charged. Um,
1: <clears throat> yeah, and, I'd agree with that.
3: Yeah, and Creed is just like a. Uh, of course, Creed is like the Rocky film, but it's a, it's a sports drama and stuff like that. But I I I both and, and what's crazy about it is both films star Michael B. Jordan.
2: Yeah, that is crazy. So that seems to be his signature thing at this mm -hmm. point, right?
3: He likes to do that. Ryan Coogler actually insisted on bringing in collaborators from his previous films. He likes to put his own stamp on films that, especially, he wanted to do it here to differentiate it from, like, the other MCU films he felt were kind of, like, composed and shot by, like, in-house people. And so... Mm -hmm kugler brought in cinematographer rachel morrison uh production designer hannah Beechler, and oh my god composer ludwig Göransson, who mm. he worked with on fruitvale station and uh we'll talk about the soundtrack later but uh yeah i can't wait um yeah i'm sure that's
2: just one more thing it makes things easier for him that's one thing he doesn't have to worry about he's got people he's comfortable with and he can stress about other aspects yeah. besides you know Figuring out how to work and get a good repertoire with these people, you know?
3: I think that this is a good representation of a Marvel film that kind of shows us that Marvel, like, you know, they've had their differences with directors in the past. They've had their differences with, you know, Joss Whedon, uh, with Jon Favreau, with, um, Edgar Wright. I, but I think this is a good experience for Ryan Coogler. I, there's give and take here in this relationship because he definitely was told no on a few things, but they 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 let him do a lot. They let him have a lot of liberties with the character of Black Panther in this. Like origin stories were changed, you know, um, mm-hmm. for characters. Um, you know, I'll get into it. Just yeah, I want to get kind of get into it now. Like some of the characters are based in Oakland. I mean, that's where Kugler's from. That's where Fruitvale Station story is about. You know, and so I mean he. Put a little bit of himself in this film, you know, and that's the character of Killmonger is not originally from Oakland. He, I mean, he's from like that, that. That character's roots are in Wakanda, so I I don't know. This is they Marvel, but Marvel also told him no that he asked if he could use craven the Hunter in this film.
2: Hmm, that makes sense. I think much like they did with James Gunn and Guardians of the Galaxy, because it's a character like Killmonger. You know that isn't very known. They let him give it his stamp. You know.
3: Oh, no, absolutely. That, that, and I agree. I mean, like, look at the changes that, that Marvel's already made to the character of Ultron. You know, like, okay, to- yeah. totally different creator. You know, it, in the comics, we know that it was uh, I'm trying. To, Hank Pym. Hank, yeah, thank you, Hank Pym. I know. That, I can't. I couldn't even think of Scott Lang's name. Uh, Hank Pym. <laughs> Um, created the character and now they changed it to Tony. And I think that the reason to get back on Craven, that they wouldn't, I think that he's off the table because he's a Spider-Man character and Sony would have to agree to that. And I think Sony wouldn't really have a problem, but maybe if Sony is going to do something with the character or, and I'm not saying they are, but, they could yeah. be thinking I, about it. So,
2: frankly, I think Craven is a character that's long overdue oh, to be used in a Spider Man movie.
3: Yeah. Craven's yeah. Last Hunt is, I've, di- I, I think since we've, since the inception of this podcast, I've wanted to see that on screen. Yeah, and, I agree. It's one of the best Spider Man storylines ever. Call me crazy, but I think I want to see, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, the guy he's playing, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Ooh, yeah. it's Craven. That's
2: that's he, he. definitely has the look.
3: Yeah, just yeah. have him bulk up the way. Not, I mean, he's thinned out now that he's playing. Uh, I can't think of any names tonight. <laughs> <Now> <laughs> that's that, funny. That's funny. Now Negan. that he's playing Negan, he's thinned out a little bit. But back when he was playing the comedian, like he he was pretty stocky. He was a big guy, and I think if you yeah. could put that, put that weight back on, he'd be a damn good Craven.
2: And I'm all about updating that character. And we're totally off topic, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't need to give him the goofy like leopard vesting going like we can make him look cool and modern. He doesn't have to hold to that Bible.
3: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, let's <laughs> see here. Uh, um, <laughs> let's see here. Yeah. I also found out this film was written. Of course it was written by Kugler, Ryan Kugler, but he also brought on, uh, Donald and Stephen Glover as consultants on the film. And this is what Kugler told Collider recently. Uh, yeah, but it wasn't, that kind of a thing where it was a change this, change that. We were looking at ways to highlight a few more character things, specifically with Shuri, where she pokes fun at her brother. Donald's one of the funniest people that I know, so he had some interesting ideas, and Steven's crazy talented as well. So I thought that that was really cool that there was a, you know, I mean, we've seen Donald Glover in the Spider-Man Homecoming film, and um, I didn't know if, like, that's with a relationship with, like, him and Sony and Marvel Studios would stop, and apparently it's not. I mean, it's of course, he's going to be Lando for another Disney film, but it, I think it's cool that Ryan Cooler brought him on as a consultant, especially for some of the comedy in this, um, to help out with Shuri's stuff. I thought that that was really cool. Yeah, that's super
2: cool, Brian. I did not know that at all. I mean, we, we know that Glover's a hell of a writer, too, with Atlanta and oh, everything. God. So, I mean, that's... That's awesome. I did not know that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll definitely be bringing this up again later on in my review and talking about the movie uh, and now that you told me this.
3: Atlanta Season 2 starts in March, and I cannot wait. That was, like, one of the best shows coming out of 2016. So fucking good. Um, anyway, this movie, Black Panther, stars Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa, Black Panther. Um, he was in – what was that movie? He was in 42 – Uh, which which was a good movie. And then I never, I never did watch the James Brown movie that he was in. Uh, Hmm. I never saw that either. We got Michael B. Jordan as Eric Killmonger. Michael B. Jordan initially auditioned for the role of Sam Wilson, the Falcon, back in 2013 before being cast in, uh, this film three years later. I thought that was interesting. And check this out. Both Chadwick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan played the character of Reggie Montgomery on All My Children. Really? Yes. That's ridiculous. Yes. Uh, lapita Le- uh, nyango as Nakia, uh, Denai Garara as Okoye, Martin Freeman as Everett K. Ross. Uh, and um, let's see here. In response to being asked what it felt like being one of the only few non-black actors on set, and sometimes the only non-black actor on set, Martin Freeman said... You think this is what black actors feel like all the time? I was just like, man, wow, what a great quote! Yeah, I was just like, it, really, it makes you think, man. Um, and uh, I, I read this about his character of Everett K. Ross. The character of Everett K. Ross is inspired by family ties, Alex P. Keaton, and friends Ross <laughs> Geller. I swear I read that. I swear I read that as and, and I, 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 it's it's. A, I don't know if somebody made that up and put so, it. So
2: he's a he's a lovable government guy, a lover, lovable government shill,
0: Yeah, basically,
3: uh, Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya um as Wakabi. Uh, he's also from Get Out and. Sicario, a lot of people, like, they talk about how good he was in Get Out, but I w- also want to, like, bring some attention to his performance in Sicario. He was fantastic in that film. Uh, Letitia Wright as Shuri, and, uh, director, uh, Ryan Kugler described Shuri as the Wakandan Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Which I thought was weird. I didn't get anyway. that from her. <laughs> so.
2: Yeah, I saw more of a uh a Q vibe from James Bond.
3: Yeah. Um the is actually supposed to be sixteen years old in the film. And um I don't know about you guys if you do you remember her Eric from Black Mirror oh, hell yeah. Black Mirror season four? Um,
1: yeah, I didn't even I did not even realize she was in the film until she was the first time until she came on screen. I was like, oh my god, yeah. it's her from 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 the Black Museum Black Knight.
3: Museum episode. Yeah, and um so I thought that was kind of crazy. Do you think the way that they've introduced the Shiri character, with her being smart, smarter than the Black Panther himself, and like probably smarter than Tony Stark? Um, do you think that they've kind of eliminated the potential? Of the character of Riri Williams from the comic books coming into the universe. I feel like she's a it, combination of Riri from the comics. It's
1: funny that you say that because that was something that was on my mind after the show was she could be an Ironheart. She could be that kind of character in yeah. the place of Riri Williams I, in this universe. I definitely got that vibe that at least there's the definitely the potential there.
3: I agree. Yeah. yeah. In the comics,
2: she becomes the Black Panther.
3: She does become the Black Panther, and I've 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 read quite a few comics with her as as the Black Panther. But I felt like in this, it just felt like they've taken elements of her character and mixed and blended them with the character of Riri Williams, um, Ironheart. Yeah, the so.
2: cyber smarts and
3: the yeah yeah
2: computer tech savvy and all yeah. that stuff. I agree with that.
3: Um, so I like basically, I feel like. So, I guess the question I was asking is like, do you feel like her character? The way I feel like the way they introduced her, they've eliminated ever bringing Ree Williams into the universe.
2: I would hope that's not true, but I think you're you could potentially be onto something. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, yeah, I would agree. I I don't think it's a foregone conclusion, yeah. but. There's definitely the potential there.
3: Yeah. Uh, Winston Duke is in Baku. Um, I watched the Black Panther Live special on Twitter, and they were talking um, Winston Duke and Lapita Nyongo. They both were, uh, they both went to Yale together. They were classmates at Yale, and they were talking about how they actually went to go see the Avengers back in 2012 together as classmates. And they loved it so much after the movie, they got together and they were talking and they were kind of just saying, man, wouldn't it be cool if we got to star in a film like that one day? And like, wow, really? that's so wild. And they, there yeah, they that's were. That's an awesome story. Yeah. They're, uh, they're, they're doing this movie and they're talking about it on the Black Panther Live special that I watched. And I was just like, holy shit. It's so crazy. Um, Sterling K. Brown stars as Najobu, Angela Bassett as, uh, Ramonda. Um, this is Angela Bassett's second comic book feature after Green Lantern back in 2011, which I Ooh. T- t- totally forgot about her being. If you character. would have given me three guesses, I don't think I could have got that. Yeah, uh, Forrest Whitaker stars as Zuri, uh, Andy Serkis as Ulysses Claw. Um One of the funniest jokes that I saw on Reddit was uh, there are two prominent white actors in Black Panther, two men. Uh, Andy Serkis and Martin Freeman both played characters, both played white, uh, both were white characters from the Lord of the Ring, uh, Lord of the Rings. They're the Tolkien white guys. And I was, <laughs> yeah, like, that's God. awesome. That's a great observation. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Anyway, Andy Serkis, of course, Andy Serkis played Gollum, and then Martin Freeman played uh, Bilbo Baggins in the in the. Lord of the Rings films, if you guys didn't remember. Anyway, um, and then the little boy at the end of the film um, when they're playing basketball, that actor, that's the little boy that's talking to the Black Panther at the end of the movie. That is Alex R. Hibbert um, from Moonlight. The, so the Moonlight, the film, uh, is broken up into three chapters, and that's the, the first the youngest boy, Alex R. Hibbert. From Moonlight, and he's also in a new show that I started watching called The Shy on Showtime, which I'm actually going to be talking about that next week for Good Pop Bad Pop. So, um, John Canny and his son Atandwa Canny play Tchaka in his old age and their youth. So it's a father and son in real life playing the same character, Tchaka, old and Tchaka young.
1: Oh wow! Uh, yeah.
3: Uh, That is cool. Now, this gets weirder. Actor Denzel Whitaker plays a younger version of Forrest Whitaker's character, Zuri.
2: Hmm, What's his relation to Forrest?
3: None at all. Just the last name. That's it. (laughs) What? Yes. uh, Hold on. Hold on. It doesn't stop there. He is not the real life son of Denzel, of uh, of Forrest Whitaker, or related at all. But Denzel Whitaker also played Forrest Whitaker's son in The Great Debaters. So this is the second time he's played his son, and they share the same last name, and they're not related at all.
2: Wow. Of course, you just adopt a kid at this point. <laughs> just come on, son, you're coming <laughs> home with
3: me. <laughs> you're coming home with me.
2: <laughs>
3: oh man, uh, one of the funniest ar- articles I ever saw from The Onion was titled uh, "Force Whitaker's Left Eye to Retire from oh. Acting." <laughs>
2: I saw that. I laughed. They had the side by side photo of it in the headline too, <laughs> yeah. which really sold it even more. It was hilarious.
3: I fucking died. Uh, Angela Bassett and Chadwick Boseman both starred in an episode. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Black Panther here in a second, people. I want to get some of this shit's interesting though. All right, Angela. Bass- I agree. Yeah, Angela Bassett and Chadwick Boseman they both starred in an episode of ER together, season uh, see, was season fifteen. What the fuck? Season 15. It says that. Uh, I'm sure that's true. No, it's got to be season. Season 15? It went up for 15 seasons? Uh, I'm Googling. That's not true.
2: I'm that Googling. Hold true. on. I'm fact checking. Give me a second.
3: Back in 2008. It might be because that ca- that show came out in like the mid-90s. Ran from 94 to 2009. Wow. Unreal.
2: Season 15 is so I think season 15 is the final season, yes.
3: Okay, wow. wow. Yeah, Angela Bassett and Chadwick Boseman both starred in an episode of ER, season 15, episode 6, back in 2008. Carl Weathers played the father of Chadwick Boseman in said episode. Michael B. Jordan plays the brother in this movie. Both Carl and Michael appear in the Rocky franchise as father and son, Apollo and Adonis Creed, respectively. So they've both been the sons of Carl Weathers in two different (laughs) forms of media. Fucking crazy.
2: That is fucking crazy.
3: All right. And I've also got a spoiler here for Star Wars The Last Jedi. Oh, jeez. If you haven't seen that, then skip ahead about a minute or so. Anyway, this movie... Here we go. This movie marks the second successive film in which Andy Serkis plays a major villain who gets killed off halfway through by an associate, a death which happens to his character Snoke in Star Wars, The Last Jedi, at the hands of Kylo Ren, and Ulysses Claw dies here at the hands of Killmonger. (laughs) That's awesome. Isn't that crazy? Poor guy, (laughs)
2: man. Don't. He's blockbuster food there's, now.
3: There's always a Star Wars Easter egg in these films, Jake. As far like the, and like as as far as like them losing the arm, typically, and that happens here. He gets his arm ripped off by the Black Panther, but this is also kind of like a Star Wars Easter egg if you really want to force it. You know.
2: I agree. Oh, I yeah. see what you did there. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, force. Um, Black Panther has a runtime of 134 minutes and an estimated budget of $200 million. It is also Rotten Tomatoes' highest-rated superhero film ever, right now, at 97%. If you guys want to compare, uh, last year's Wonder Woman was at a 92%. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was at 83%. Let's stack this up against The Dark Knight at 94%. Uh, mm. Thor Ragnarok from, uh, November was at a 92%. Um, my favorite Marvel movie of all time, Avengers, 92%. And then Avengers, Avengers Age of Ultron, 75%. I just wanted to throw that out there cause that movie sucks. So um, <laughs> it's still, <laughs> it's still a fresh rating, but it's not a very good fresh rating anyway. All right, guys, we are going to go ahead and we are going to rate, uh, this film um oh shit yeah there's my jingle palette um anyway we're gonna rate this (laughs) film i am going to play our rating systems uh rating system for pop culture leftovers
0: The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party.
3: All right. Hey, you know what? I am going to start off with... You know what? I'm going to, fuck it. I'm going to start it off with myself. I'm going to start it off with myself. I typically go last and I don't want to go last. I feel like all the good shit's already been fucking said by the time you guys get around to me. So I want to, I want to start it. Yeah, dude, be greedy. Take that shit. I'm going to start it off. I, um, I've seen the movie three times and I, I never want people to think that with a Marvel movie or a DC movie that if I see it. Two, three times that that's any indication as to what my rating is going to be. I do a fucking podcast, people, and I try to do a good one. And so I want to make sure that I, that I nail everything. Um, I, uh, I did need a second viewing to really nail down my rating. And I'm glad that I got a second and a third rating. I, I've seen it in IMAX 2D. I've seen it in 2D standard. And then this morning I saw it in real 3d. Um, the, this movie, in my opinion, has the best villain performance since the dark night. I think that Michael B. Jordan is phenomenal in this film. Just amazing. Um, a villain that has so many layers and, um, just shocks you. Is not, is not your traditional villain in these Marvel films. This is not your yellow jacket, um, in, in the Ant-Man film. This is not, you know, this is not Ronan. Um, this, I mean, just from the fact that we see him take lives and it's all about vengeance and, but he's also, it's, it, it but it's also about, um, I mean, we, we've seen this, He's been hurt, man. He's been hurt by the by, by the people that are supposed to, to be the closest to him. Um,
2: yeah, I agree. The screenplay backs the performance. I'm not, hold on.
3: Let me, let, me, let, me, let me get my rating out, man. Um, oh, sorry, sorry, it's sorry. It's cool. It's cool. No, we haven't opened it up yet. We're still rating. Um, I mean, we see like <laughs> – when we first see the Black Panther – and he becomes the when he goes to the ancestral plane and he talks to his father he bows to his father and I was just like I had a problem when I first saw this like I was just like man why is he bowing to his dad and all this shit and then by the end of the movie and he sees his father again and I know I'm jumping ahead but this is important to my rating he's he's yelling at his father and you you got and yelling at the the past panthers like you did it wrong and i'm seeing passion i'm finally seeing passion from him he's he's acted very regal and i wanted to see more emotion out of him and um i got it here and he stood up he started he stood up to these people that he respected and he 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 took the throne right there in my mind and that's what made him my black panther And then, um, so Chadwick Boseman sold me, it took me two, two watches to get to that point to, to really realize that. Um, but, um, Michael B. Jordan was just stellar. This is, we'll, we'll unpack his performance more when we talk about the movie, but this is the best. He just, I, I enjoyed the Loki performance for what it is, but Tom Hiddleston's not on the level of like what Heath Ledger did for the Joker and for what, Michael B. Jordan did for this character. Like nobody is really, unless you read the comics and even if you read the comics, this is not the character from the comics, but Michael B. Jordan like embodied this character and and he, he outshined, um, everybody in almost, in in, in pretty much every scene he's in, in this movie, he outshines everybody. He's so, he's so incredible. And so him, this is a Tupperware, like everything I'm going to, we're going to unpack this whole fucking movie, but like, his performance, the costumes, the, the music, um, the action in this film, the, the, the brother and the sister, uh, Shuri, the relationship between her and, 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 and T'Challa, the, the joking back and forth, you know, bringing Donald Glover in there to give us those, those lines when those two characters are interacting is just, just great shit, just really awesome, funny shit and i do have problems uh here's my problems and we'll get into them more later but i did have problems with um the the um uh some of the uh, cg in the film um there was uh the cg at the end of the film after he destroys the first uh wakandan ship that's trying to get out there with the supplies and he's walking up the like the prairie and uh he's holding his arms out and yelling at killmonger there, it's a total CGI shoot, and you can kind of see his head kind of like bopping around, and it, in the CGI shoot. And I've hated the CG these CGI suits that they've done ever since Iron Man three. When like back in the day, when John Favreau for Iron Man one and two, they used physical suits, and since then they've used these CGI suits in a lot of these scenes, and they look terrible in my opinion. It looked look terrible in Civil War, and it looks terrible here, and then the final fight between him and Killmonger when they're wearing the suits and they're falling and they're punching each other. Oh my God, people, it was laughable. It looked terrible and people, it was backed up in my theater by people laughing with me because it looked bad. But that's, that's really the only complaints I have. I'm going to pass it off. I've I've rambled on, but it's a (laughs) Tupperware for me. Jake, what did you think about it?
2: Oh man, I absolutely love this movie. It's, it's, definitely it's the highest of tupperwares for me and i don't know if it's fresh new toy syndrome but i'm ready to say this is my favorite marvel movie of all 18 i mean it was wow it was just incredible the experience in the theater was just so amazing and like brian said the relationship between i love the relationship between t'challa and shuri and knowing that donald glover came in and kind of spiced that up makes a lot of sense because it was just it was so strong and just a performance from, is it Robin Wright? Is that her name?
3: Letitia Wright. Letitia Robin Wright. Wright was from Wonder Woman. <laughs> my
2: My Letitia Wright, her performance was just amazing. Just like the sly little smirks and everything. Uh, it was fantastic. And just, oh man, what an emotional journey this movie was. And I agree, you really saw what made him a king. And it was just such a humble origin story for him to see all these things happen and transpire and then come to the decision he comes to. Like you really feel it and it makes a lot of sense. It's not a rash decision that he comes to. And I just thought it was so beautifully told. The movie itself is just so gorgeous. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, I agree that the CG was a little bit lacking in a few of the parts. Um, The suits don't bother me as much, but I did think the uh, falling scene did look a little bit silly um, oh yeah, I just love this movie. The score was amazing. Oh my gosh. Like just the simple things that you can do with like overlaying all those different percussion beats on like the classic superhero kind of horn soundtrack was just really cool. They did a lot of really neat stuff with the score. Oh man, I could, yeah. And you're right about the villain, easily one of the best villains, if not the best. I mean, I, if you think about it, it's like, you can almost even see where he's coming from. Oh, like, yeah. And that's what kind of makes one of the best villains. It's like I'm sitting there thinking, like, man, he's not completely wrong and why he's upset about a lot of the stuff that he's upset with. So and that when you think so much about that kind of stuff while you're watching the movie and after, it's mm-hmm. just such a rich story and tale. I I can't wait to unpack this movie. I absolutely loved it. I'm jealous that you've seen it three times now. I can't wait to see it again. Oh man, highest of Tupperwares.
3: How many times have you seen it?
2: I only got to see it the one time.
3: Oh man, see, yeah, I, th- I still think it's a uh, th- shiny new toy for right now, as I'm calling it. See it a few more times, and then I, I can't even settle on like where it is in like my in my Marvel film list.
2: It just really shook me up in my seat. Like yeah. I was, things happened that I didn't expect to happen. Yeah, like when. Killmonger wins the fight and becomes king. Like I was not ready for that. I did not have that
3: spoiled for me <laughs> me either. Hey, Eric, what <sighs> did you think about this?
1: You know, I I think, and we talked a little bit about this when I was on last week, this is not a movie I was really excited for. Even going back up to a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I want, I was definitely going to see it. Um, I was interested in seeing Black Panther. I always liked the character, even though I wasn't a heavy reader of the comics. I only knew him from, from the Avengers and from the Illuminati, Illuminati arcs later on. But, it, starting to hear those early reviews and everything I was very excited I'm a big Chad Chadwick Boseman fan I'm a big Michael B. Jordan fan the cast itself was enough to sell me that I I, I started to kind of get that itch last week that I I was starting to get really excited to see it I went in and I sat in my seat and it 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 blew away the expectations that I have. And I was trying to keep them down because I get disappointed so often by these kinds of movies where it's I have something in my head going in and it doesn't quite live up to it. This did in so many ways. It is not a perfect movie by any means. You've already hit on several of the things. Um, the CG work was lacking in, in several different areas. and it, And for me, that did detract from the film a little bit. Um, along with what I would call wasted space in the story I mean some of the stuff that they did it just didn't really it wasn't needed and I could have used that time more for Michael B. Jordan or or some of the other characters um, one of the things that also surprised me the most was as much as I thought he was good in the part I thought one of the things that kind of uh, dragged down Chaz, Chadwick Boseman was through no fault of his own. His supporting cast was so excellent throughout the entire movie that it kind of dimmed him just a bit because, yeah. it, I mean, yeah. that's everyone... A, yes, that's all a those-
3: great point. <laughs> that, Eric, that is a great point. I that's I had to go back for my second viewing to, to focus on his performance because yeah. I, I literally, I was like, the movie's called Black Panther. I might have to high taste this because I'm not... He's, you know what I mean? Like everybody else is outshining him. So I had to go back and watch it a second time to, to focus on, dude, you're, you're really making a lot of sense right now.
1: I mean yeah. if you, you you it takes two hands and my fingers and toes all my fingers and toes to count the number of great performances even some of the ones that you totally did not expect like Winston Duke as Man Ape I mean, he it, it totally caught me off guard I never expected to love that character as much as I did they actually and went
3: out of their way not to call him that in the film
1: right but you could totally <laughs> see I, I mean it, it, as soon as he's in the mask and he shows up to challenge you're like the, the, a comic reader knows, oh, dude, that's Manny. Yeah. It totally was there, you know. And then it, it, it starts starts with Michael. B. Somebody Jordan. watching I it mean, today
3: is like, oh my god, that's horribly racist. <laughs> yeah. probably shouldn't yeah. call him that, you know. Yeah, <laughs>
1: but M- Michael B. Jordan was he gets better in every film I see him Doesn't in. It? Oh my god, and he was just stunning. He <laughs> um, ate unless, up unless he it's he the Trank time.
3: Fantastic Four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. It wasn't a step back. It was just stasis for No, a man. Movie. Like
3: honestly, yeah. like no, not even Michael B. Jordan can make that movie good. But he was not
1: the he was not he the was worst not the problem. Part. Yes, he
3: was not the problem with that movie.
1: So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Andy Circus came off great as Claw. Oh, he's great. Uh, you know uh, Sterling K. Brown, he played Najabu. Uh, he was great yes. as, as as Killmonger's dad. Yeah, and and for me the the, the one was it was Leticia Wright. I yeah. mean, she was just such a bright ball of energy. Her, her interactions with Chaz McBoseman, I mean, she was so great as Shuri. And I loved her in Black Museum, so I immediately, when I realized who who was when she came on screen, yeah. I was sighted, and I was set up for, for good stuff, and she blew that even out of the water. She was so great as Shuri. and it, it, There were just so many great performances in this film that even the there were blemishes here and there in terms of story usage and CG work, and none of that – could could detract from the great stuff that was in this film uh, and it's it's a total tupperware for me
3: awesome all right let's uh let's go ahead and unpack this movie and uh tupperware party tupperware party all right i am gonna get a bumper inven- eventually made for the tupperware party it's it, i it's gonna take a while guys all right um But yeah, I eventually. But it's a Tupperware <laughs> party. This is fantastic, fantastic news. All right, so now it is time for a pop culture leftovers movie review. Pop culture leftovers movie review. Pop culture
0: leftovers movie review. Yeah, All right,
3: I want to start off this uh this review. I, I kind of want to start off talking about the heart shaped herb. Um I thought that the, the movie opens, and I thought that they, it was very smart to talk about. Oh, first off, can I mention this? No, no, no Infinity Stones at all in this film. Right. Also, no Avengers. Now, you can say at the end of the movie, we get Bucky. He's not an Avenger. I mean, they dropped. They right. He was not an Avenger, guys. Like, last time we saw him, he's having a mental fucking breakdown, okay?
1: I was never part of the team. yeah. Yeah, and that was something I loved was they let this cast stand on its own. They didn't try to prop it up unnecessarily. Now hold on. At the
3: beginning of this, I'm going to talk about the hardship there here in a second. But at the beginning of the movie, you hear the news lady and she's talking about the events that happened that we saw in the movie Civil War, and she's saying that they happened a week before. So this movie takes place a week after the events of Civil War. Yeah, I,
2: I caught that too. I think you're correct. I think they did. They wanted the, his father's death to be immediately after. It wouldn't have as much impact on what the character was feeling okay. if it was more than a year later, I think.
3: So this happens actually then before Captain America meets Black Panther. At the end of the credits in that film. Yeah, you're correct. Because in the comic book, it's revealed that they wait three weeks to take Bucky to go see Black Panther to Wakanda. Because they have Tony working on him. Tony can't figure it out. So they take him to Wakanda with their technology to try to fix Bucky. So I'm just trying to piece it together. So that scene that we see with Bucky actually takes place who knows how long after the events that we saw in this actual film. But it's yeah. yeah, it's not like like right so I'm just trying to put everything together
2: so it makes yeah, sense. Wherever they deem convenient when they have to explain yeah. what they fucked up next movie.
3: No, no, I think it was Sony that just fucked up that whole thing with the you know, the the Spider Man thing. I mean everything else oh, has been pretty yeah. much on point, you know. So yeah. um anyway, I, I liked how it started off with the the whole explanation of you know, and I'm glad that it didn't involve like the Avengers and the and the Infinity Stones. I I felt like this was a very kind of like encapsulated Black Panther story, and we got to know about that character, the character surrounding him, and and, and everything. Um, that was I, 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 that's what I liked about this, and we got we got a really good backstory about how like the the vibranium was the most powerful uh, metal. In all, you know, the galaxy or whatever, and this meteorite, um, this alien metal of vibranium, like, hits the planet and affects, like, the whole Earth. I mean, uh, it starts to uh, affect the animals. People are eating it. It's actually in their bodies. Uh, it's in their clothing. And, I, and then it helps them with their technology. And I was just like, this is just – this is an incredible kind of, like, history lesson about – Wakanda, This is so cool. And then, and then it, it creates something called the heart-shaped herb. And this heart-shaped herb is basically like what gives the Black Panther his strength. And I like the story of like how there's like five different tribes. And one of the tribes goes off, the Jabari. They go off and live in the mountains. The other four tribes, they, they live together and they build this society and all this shit. Now, the heart-shaped herb in this film, like they burn it down. They burn it down. Like, is that – so is that like – are they ever going to bring that up again? Like they they kind of brought it up in this film. But like do you think like in Black Panther 2 – because like my guess would be that the Black Panther goddess was the one that brought them to the herb in the first place. By Black Panther 2 could like the Black Panther goddess speak to Chachala and say, you know, the herb is here. You know, like there's – it'll always find a way don't worry it's not gone
2: yeah i think that's an interesting flow of thought like what are they going to do to get that herb back is it an easy solution is it something they're actually going to have to like seek out
3: yeah are they ever going to address it or is it like he like the final it can't be the final line of black panthers no, no way no
2: that's ridiculous yeah uh,
3: either it's going to be the kind of thing
2: where it's by next movie they have a real nice garden again and it's a it's a non plus or It'll actually be. I could easily see post-credit you being onto scene. something, and a it could post- be a part of the story.
3: Yeah, it could be a post credit scene where we see like um, we see like um, the eyes of a of a of a Black Panther, and then they fade away, and then out of the ground we see kind of like a we see the plant growing, you know, or something, yeah. you know, and that that's the post credit scene, or like right at the end of the film, and it ends that way, you know.
1: You know, I just I I just want to say th- this scene. This whole beginning, Ryan Cooper did such a great job of world building and setting up a foundation for Wakanda. I, it was one of the better openings that I've seen to a movie like this where it was it wasn't overdone. It was short, quick, but it still laid the foundation for everything to come forward in the world we're about to see. I yeah. thought they did a great job opening up with this. Yeah, it was cool, man.
3: They showed um, they showed uh, fighter planes and it felt like they were showing World War II. But like they also showed um, slaves walking on the slave ships.
1: Yeah. 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 I noticed
2: that too. And to touch on something you said earlier, Brian, I I agree that this really just felt like a black Panther movie. And I mean, yes, it's connected to everything else, Mm -hmm. but man, you did not need to see 17 previous movies to enjoy this movie. Like it did a great job of setting up its own thing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. absolutely. I, I, you know, like I I thought like we were done with uh, the origin stories, you know, like, even before Doctor Strange came out, which was an origin story, Kevin Feige was kind of like, no, we're done with origin stories. And then they they pulled back on that, which I thought was very smart because they're like, you know what worked? You know what worked in phase one was these origin stories. So some of these characters need these origin stories. Now, I understand if I'm Kevin Feige and I'm working with Sony, I'm telling them – Spider-Man doesn't need an origin story. We, we've seen his origin story in two other films over the past, like, 15, 16 years. So it was smart of him. But, like, not everybody knows the story of Stephen Strange. Not everybody knows the story of, you know, T'Challa and how he came into power. And they totally changed that character here. Like, that character, his father died at a young age in uh in the comics. And so, isn't that, that's how it happened. He became king at, like, in his, is, was he a teenager?
2: Yeah, he was pretty young. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure you're right. Yeah. That that's a hard character to track like that because they've done a little bit of uh, sure. retcon when have. they did Marvel Knights.
3: Yeah, yeah. I was. I'm, it's just one of those things where like that they went with a uh, with him being he, because in the comics he wasn't Black Panther until he was actually king. And here his father had gotten to an age where he couldn't be. I guess he couldn't be Black Panther anymore. Um, in the suit, so his son was—he was still king, but his son was acting as the Black Panther, you know, yeah, and
2: already eating the flower, exactly. and
3: all that exactly. stuff. So they had to change that up a little bit, and I understand that because they, you know, I mean, I, unless you wanted to start civil war with him already being king, but I think Ryan Coogler had a different vision for the movie, and they, he wanted to show him becoming the king. That was the whole story here, so. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I loved the, the whole origin story and how we got to see Black Panther coming to be. What did you guys think about like the royal family, like Angela Bassett? Um, I know you guys love Shuri. I love Shuri. I thought Angela Bassett, she was not in the movie a lot, but the times that she was, she made a huge impact. There, I can think of three different scenes. The first scene when he lands when, when they land and he comes home for the first time. And she tries to stay strong, talking about how, like, her and T'Chaka had been waiting for this day. And you could tell she wants to break down and cry. Oh, that was
2: a good one. That was a good one. That's, I know yeah. one scene that really gave me an impact was just when uh, T'Challa was doing that first fight against yes. um, the other tribe. And Mbaka. they do that great shot where he's upside down and you yes. see her yelling at him. Yeah.
3: Yeah. She's like, I'll show him who you are.
2: Yeah, uh, yes, the upside yeah. down point yeah. of view perspective yeah. of the Black Panther. I thought yeah. that was an incredible moment.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah, she didn't get a lot of screen time, but she definitely made use of the screen time she did get. She, yeah. She's another one of those strong supporting performances that we see throughout the entire film.
3: Yeah, I loved her, uh, her reactions to like, you know, uh, the big climactic, one of the climactic scenes, you know, at the waterfall that we saw in the film and then, and then also at towards like the towards the end of the film where where uh she's actually uh reaching to reaching out to Nakia and telling her to take the herb i was kind of i was just like holy shit cuz like they're on their way up to give the herb to Mbaku and i was like oh my this is getting crazy i'm like they're going to give like the, the herb to Mbaku you know? Yeah,
2: she really, so you're right, Ryan. She really sold, yeah. like, the desperation yes. of it all.
3: Yes, yes, Oh, she was so good, so good. Um, let's talk about Mbaku. That was, he, Winston K. Duke in this, um, was, Winston Duke, excuse me, i was thinking of Sterling K. Brown. Winston Duke <laughs> was, um, I thought he was great in this movie. I, I, when, when they showed up and they were going, oh, <gasps> i was like oh my god here comes the dmx tribe what the fuck <laughs> and then, yeah and then um and then i i loved the look of the different tribes i loved um how each of them had like their own look they have they all had like their own individual armies um which i thought was cool so like the dora milaje they were directly under the black panther but like each of those different communities had their own armies like like uh what's this? uh Was it Wakabi? Was it Wakabi had like the rhinos and like his army and all that?
1: Yeah, you could could tell the care that they took in developing the unique look of each of them because it did stand out. Like you said, it felt like several communities together. It did not feel like one just globbed together. This is the Wakandan society. It felt like... Different pieces of a whole.
3: They, I found out. Ryan Coogler brought in
1: consultants
3: who are experts on African history and politics to work on defining Wakanda. So he actually brought in like different people um, that were they they knew their African history, and so that's that's mm, where that a lot of this was formed. Yeah. So because, well, uh,
2: hey, th- Brian, what was the leader of the Dmx's
3: tribe's name again? That was uh, M- 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 Mbaka. Yeah, I, I I
2: really love that character too. I mean, such a minor character, but even even he really had an arc throughout the movie.
1: Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, his humor, his humor notes, the humor that they used with him, just they all landed. It was so great how they yeah. brought, uh, how he felt both he both like felt both like a heavy character of weight, but he also had that that kind of humorous tone that that helped it land.
2: I, yeah, this felt like the heaviest um, Marvel movie as far as really earning its PG 13. Um, yeah. It definitely had its jokes, but it it had a different jokey feel to me. It wasn't like the uh, paint by numbers Marvel insert a joke oh, type I of know. stuff going on. Yeah. Nope. yeah.
1: no, no, Nope. Yeah, I love so the, it. Really,
2: it the, really felt like one of the most creator owned Marvel movies I've ever seen.
3: I'm cracking up at the relationship between T'Challa and Shuri. Like when. He, he got, he, you know, he went to the, the ceremony and, and, uh, he's wearing the sandals. And she's like, what oh, I are those? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she busts out the, and, the oh sneakers. man, she, she, yeah, she busted out the sneakers, but <laughs> she was talking about how it's based on the movie, um, that their dad would watch. And she's talking about Back to the Future too, the Nike Mags, the, the self, yeah. Yeah, the, the, but like, she totally improved upon the design. <laughs> Cause those are awesome. Uh, yeah. But, um yeah. yeah that, that
2: was just, a great scene.
3: Yeah, the relationship between those two cracked me up. I absolutely loved it. So, Shuri was yeah. great, man. Shuri was awesome. I loved the character of Shuri. Um, I loved, like the, the tech that she came up with, those little, uh, th- uh, the, the fucking, uh, the blasters that she put on her arm, how they were, how they, they were, they were little Black Panther mouths that would shoot, like. I was like, that's cool. I love that. Yeah, I thought
1: I, that was awesome. I, and I, I totally agree with what you said earlier, Jake. It, she felt like Q just walking him around, showing him all that tech and, and everything. She had such a Q feel to her that it, 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 that was awesome. And then, and then you, you saw it coming when she's talking about here, kick this as hard as you can or kick yes. this. It's, you know, it, it was hilarious. It, she was, she was such a great character there. They have such great chemistry. Going back and forth It, it was wonderful And it, 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 it was something that struck you Right away, immediately they grab you with that, with that relationship he has with his sister
3: What was your favorite piece of tech That you saw in this? Because like I was actually having a lot more fun with the tech That I saw in this movie Than I've seen in any of the Iron Man films
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that um, God, that's so tough Because there were so many good things that they did I, I, I liked the idea of the necklace being the entire costume. So that was really cool. Uh, you know, just there were so many great things that she did, she did with that and they did such a great job of like you said so she might be smarter than tony stark she's brilliant in how she works oh, she's and definitely what they, smarter than tony she
2: designed all those yeah.
3: trains
2: and yes like, yeah she all, everything was her all the weapons it, the yeah, trains
3: was, the basically the i guess the trains were they said she, she said she mentioned something about transporting vibranium at high speeds is dangerous right so the, so they have those those solar panels or whatever that would like make it so that the, that it was, they could, uh, transport them safely. Um, I need to see that again. It was interesting, but she
2: was responsible for doing all that uh, too. Yeah.
3: And then, and then also I noticed like, okay, so like the, when they bring, you know, agent Ross and after he gets shot in the back and they lay him on the table, his head is on the table and behind him, On this table, you can see, like, statistics popping up in, like, Wakandan language or whatever. He lifts his head, and those disappear completely. And as he raises his Hmm. body up off the table, the room, the wall, also has his vitals on there. And as soon as he completely raises his body off of the table, the vitals on the wall disappear. I'm like, that is fucking dope just just
1: little things like
3: that are just yeah. so cool to notice in these films
1: even down to the holographic yes. the, how the, the holographs were almost like sand almost the way yeah. that they they were they physical though
3: it was a physical it was almost it was like yes. it, it was it was it, it was, so it was basically like 3d printed holograms
1: Yeah, it was, it was an incredible little detail to the, to the technology that made it so vivid and lifelike. I loved how, like, at the beginning of the movie, like, before
3: we get, like, that scene where he's kicking out those dudes' asses in the jungle, that mission that Nakia's on, how he picks up that vehicle, physically picks up that vehicle of that model that they create right there on the ship, and he knocks the top off of it, and then he can see, like, the little men and people inside.
1: Yes.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and the Nakia's yeah. lit up in like orange. I was like, this is, this is incredible technology. This is, I'm like, I'm blown away at the beginning just from like, just from that. And I'll, okay. Hold on. Another standout in this fucking movie is, uh, Denai Guerrero from The Walking Dead, Michonne as a Oh yeah. She yeah. is great. We haven't even talked about her yet. Yes. She was fantastic. Not only from just like some of the looks that she gave other characters. Um, I loved like the looks that she gave like, um, uh, Shuri about you know T'Challa freezing and then laughing and <laughs> giggling, but also like um, the Korean lady at the be- at at the entrance of the casino, just staring her down and giving her like the evil eye before they walk into the casino. I loved that. Just stuff. and then when they're in the fucking casino and she's fighting with that staff and they start Oh, that's playing. the moment. Oh, they start playing yeah. that, like that tribal music and shit. That's like her little, each character like had their own like tribal theme song and hers was dope. It was like, I was just like, oh my God, here we fucking go. And she's swinging yeah, that around. Was- oh my God. It was so incredible. I love just like the um, the the vibranium how how Ryan Coogler used the vibranium in everything that they used in this movie everywhere they took this vibranium they were fucking shit up with it the car was made out of vibranium uh Okoye's laughing at the guns and talking about how primitive they are and then did you notice when she got on top of the car how her footwear was glowing on top of the car it basically was like a magnet on magnet on the car to where she couldn't fall off I was like that. Just yeah, it that was it, sweet. This, yes, like the whole <laughs> the whole car scene was amazing. For sure, he's driving the car like a telepresence device. I was like, this is so fucking cool.
2: Uh, I, I love Oikai. Is that how you say o- her name? Okoye, Okoye yeah, Her character was great, and yes. she had a great arc too. Like you really didn't know what side she was even going to go with.
3: Yeah, uh, she had to stay loyal to the throne. But and then she also was being pulled by her relationship.
2: Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. I was I was on the edge of my seat. Where which way she was going to go by the end of the movie? And then it's it, that was really a big cheer moment for me too when she made you know what I thought was the right decision.
3: Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! It's finally. It's nice to see Lupita Nyong'o in a physical performance too. You know, like I last last movie I saw her in a physical performance was Twelve Years a Slave. You know, like the last two movies i've seen her in have been in you know the the star wars movies is Maz Kanata, and so oh,
2: you count i don't
3: even count last
2: jedi no she probably she didn't was have there. To come on set for that she
3: was there man she was there dude but uh um, <laughs> she was uh, she was fantastic in this movie i uh nakia was a really really good character and i what i loved about Nakia... okay like one of the one of the messages in this movie is like is is about wakanda kind of like being like a big brother to, like, all these other nations that need help. You know, we they have the technology. They they have the power to make a difference in the world. They can be the light in the world, and they refuse to do that. And they, they live comfy um, while other people are suffering in the world. They're living comfortably and um, very yeah. – and, and so
2: it's easy to not want to get caught up in the politics of everything, you know. Yes. They're like, if we if we put our finger into that, then next thing you know, we're involved in all of that too. But that's what and I we loved see what's about going on over there.
3: That's what I loved about the character of Nakia. She's out in the actual world, making a difference. You know what I mean? She's yeah. out there, and I thought that's yeah. what made
2: Killmonger so great. With a lot of the points that he was making, yes, yes, Plus, it really was like a slap to the face when he but was see, bringing there's, up.
3: There's two ways to go about that. I mean, you can. I mean, you can, you can be kind of like doing what Nakia does, or you can be a radical, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. I, I'm not justifying what the oh, did, but I know it, it definitely made you think. I mean, it no,
3: was- dude, I was rooting for him. Yeah. <laughs> the first time I watched this movie, when he's fighting T'Challa, I'm kind of like, Got to do what you got to do, man. You know, was like, you know, I'm yeah. kind of rooting yeah. for him because I, I felt bad for him. I, I really felt bad for the guy. Like what happened to his father? His father was of course not doing, he was going against like the King's wishes and everything but his father's wanting to protect these you send him to live there and you expect him not to start relationships with like the people in the community that he's living with and and not care for these people and dude what was so messed up about that fight is zuri's there did you guys notice the look between kilmonger and zuri before the start the fight happened
2: yeah that was some, that was pretty derelict oh man i I thought the edit was so tight in this fight, like the. Le- I, I, um, I know Eric brought up there being a little bit of wasted space and like plot meandering, but man, I did not really see that too much at all. I thought how we went so fast from the reveal of why Killmonger is, you know, what happened to his father to right to the fight was just an incredible mm-hmm. feat in storytelling and editing, and a yeah, brave I- choice to just get right to that.
1: Yeah, and don't don't mistake my comments for thinking that the that this the editing or the storytelling was bad by any means. Um, I know that you guys enjoyed it, and there were definitely some good parts. But generally, I was not the biggest fan of the car chase scene. I thought it was too long, overdone. There were some kind of jump the shark moments, like when he's leaning over to help turn the car and stuff like that. It just it it, it didn't feel all that much, all that necessary. After what we got, I think we, in, we needed to casino.
3: see the car. I think we needed to see that to understand the power that he had later in the movie when he tackled the rhino. I'm just,
2: I, I'm, but, I, I, also, there, I, I, I love a good car chase scene. I, I loved that. And it was it, real James Bondish there too with Shuri operating the car. And I thought that was super fun too. I loved the car chase sequence.
1: I just, I, for a movie that did not go over the top. Mm. On a regular basis, those those tended to stand out to me more. In and the, then it's funny you mentioned yeah. that the the Rhino stuff was the other piece. It's in the I comics, really man. Struggled. It's
3: a, it's straight out of the comic books.
1: It, I I get that. I totally totally get that. Just on the movie itself, it I, I, I it was not part of what I would call my favorite parts of the movie. But to, don't mistake me at all for saying that that detracted much from the movie at all.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that fight sequence between Killmonger and Black Panther. Like, I'm just sitting there in my seat going, this is kind of boring because you just know that Black Panther is going to win a little bit, you know, and then it's like, oh, my gosh, I did not see that
3: coming. <laughs> oh, really? I I kind of felt like we're, we're not at the end of the movie. I felt like he's going to he's going to he's going to beat him
2: yeah i I knew we weren't at the end but i was like okay killmonger is gonna take a defeat and then that defeat's really gonna humiliate him and piss him off even more and what's he gonna do after that you know
3: yeah i wasn't i i kind of thought that he was gonna beat him here um and uh man it was it was it was very emotional though when he's like there was a point in that fight where where i think black panther could have killed him that part where he slams him down has a spear to his face and says yield he could have, he could have easily killed him there, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. He didn't realize the stakes which he, he had going there, I don't yeah. think. And that's another moment. Angela ba- or Bassett really sold it there too. Yeah. Like just yeah. the look of horror on her face at what had just had happened really, yeah. really, yes. really sold it and made it really emotional for me too.
3: Man, they kept cutting him up. They kept cut, they kept cutting him up. And what was messed up, like the character of, uh, Wakabi, like the, at the beginning, like he, he's like really good friends. With T'Challa, and I think you know he was looking forward to T'Challa taking the throne and and making a difference, mm-hmm. and like you know going after Claw and bringing justice for like you know the the Wakandans that that Claw had killed, and when that didn't happen, you kind of saw like how quickly he turned on T'Challa, and like.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he was at the end of his patience, I guess. And that was a really sad kind of – that character's arc kind of made me sad.
3: I think it's – I think it was Ryan Coogler. Hold on. I think it was Ryan Coogler's – and I hate to bring this up, but I think it was Ryan Coogler's response to, like, what happened to our country in the last election. Does that make
2: sense? I can see the the analogy there.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's Yeah.
3: So I, I I know we don't talk about those kind of things here, but I feel like that in order to – I hate to dance around stuff like that in reviews like I know this. you
2: made my brain freeze when you said it. Like no. I agree with you. I'm like, hmm, how do I dance around no, this? No, 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 no. <laughs> I,
3: Jake, and Jake, I, I don't talk about those things on this show, but I feel like no. that, that this is directly referencing that. So I'm not going to dance around it, OK? Uh, yeah. I when this movie was over,
2: I turned to Michelle and, and I said, "Ooh, it's going to be hard to stay completely 100 percent non-political talking about this movie." <laughs> yeah.
3: So, and no, and it is, and that's that's all I'm going to say about it. I'm not going to dive into it anymore. But I felt like that was that, a lot of this movie is politically charged about what's oh, going on, definitely, up, especially the mid-credits scene. It's politically charged about what's happening in the country today, and that's all I'm going to yeah. say about it. Oh, so. the
2: whole plot line about yeah. whether or not a country that has all these things. To that they could use to help other countries that need help and whether they should or shouldn't is very currently politically charged.
3: Absolutely. So,
1: um,
3: what were you saying, Eric? I'm sorry.
1: No, I I was going to say, so let's set that piece aside of, to the, why did you, you, this was probably one of the only moments that I struggled with in terms of how quickly he turned on T'Challa. I mean, this is someone he's grown up with his whole life and, He's he's that upset that Kilmon or uh, Claw got away, that he's he's willing to 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 turn on his king just like that.
2: I think it's more than that. It's more than he got away. It's what what they're doing now. It's like they're it's almost like they're in a whole new directive now that they've got you know, um, I, what's Martin Freeberg's character's character again? Martin Freeman. Uh, no, I'm
3: joking. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> his name is Agent Ross.
2: Yeah, Agent Ross is there. That seems to be what T'Challa's focused on. Uh, it's a matter of pride for that character, I think, at that point, um, and it upsets think, him very much.
1: And I can, I, I guess, when you put it that way, I, I can. It wasn't like I couldn't live with it. It just one of Wakabi's motivations and actions were probably one of the few few areas that I struggled with with how his story arc went. They have, um, they
3: have a they have a conversation at the beginning of of the movie as as he's feeding the rhino um and and he's talking about how you know you know you know you're you're going to have a chance to make a difference and if you wanted us to police the rest of the world and all this stuff we'd do it but we shouldn't bring people in because we don't want them bringing in their baggage and all this stuff and and um i feel like Like when, when, when he, when, when T'Challa says, I give you my word that I will bring him back. It was one of those things where, again, another, like your dad didn't do it for 30 years, your dad did nothing. And now here we are, um, you know, and now you've done nothing. And now you've got like this new dude coming in and delivering, man. Like, (laughs) you know, like, hey, Here's you want results? I got your results. I'm different, you know? And so I felt like from there it was kind of like um it would have I think it would have been bad news, but I think he was kind of go- I think it would have been bad news in the long run like giving this guy power and we all know it's bad news giving him power, Killmonger power in the way that he was that he was trying to take it over, but I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like I do see where he was kind of coming from with that. I agree
2: it was pr- pride's a big deal too, man. It's like exactly what you're saying. It, it 30 years, he didn't deliver to makes this promise. And now it's like, Oh, he got away and we'll worry about that later. Cause we've got all this stuff going on. Yeah. And it's like, he might as well have spit in the guy's face where he was coming from, you know?
3: Yeah. 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 I don't know. So anything. yeah, it was
2: crazy. Like I thought one of the things Ryan cooler did so well, I thought with the screenplay was all the uh, bad guys, like all their, I I could, if I thought about it enough, I could kind of get behind why they were—they had the motivations that they had. It wasn't just like mustache-twirling evil people. It was they had some legit shit to be upset about. Almost anyone that was the bad guy in this movie,
3: right? There's a lot of times where I was kind of rooting for, rooting for Killmonger. I also want to point out in the last two Marvel movies, I've really been upset with the fathers in the films. Uh, Odin (laughs) really let me down in Thor: Ragnarok. Spoilers for Thor: Ragnarok. But Odin lied about their whole past and like how they came to power and like tried to like, you know, like, uh, uh, brush Hela under the rug and, and how they actually came into power. And like, and in this movie, the same thing happens here with T'Chaka, another father that let me down in these Marvel films. And basically, you know, they, they hid, they hid, they hid the truth. They, 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 yeah, they, they, to, they lied to yeah. maintain the. Yeah, they, they hit the truth to maintain this lie, is what is kind of like what Zuri said. And poor Killmonger, I mean, just bring the poor kid back. Yes, bring they
1: him were, back.
2: They weren't willing to let people know that they had, you know,
3: killed the uncle. Yeah. And so the kid had to suffer because of that. And that seems happened? very unfair. Do we know what happened to the mother? Did we ever find out anything about the mother?
2: Hmm. No, I'd have to see it again to answer that question. I have
3: seen it three times, and I didn't hear shit about mine yeah
1: i I don't think they've ever addressed that,
3: okay, and it's probably not important to the story, so, but um, what did you guys think about like what did you i I really thought it was cool after you know he would take the heart shaped herb and they went to the the ancestral plane, which before this movie started i would I thought that that was all like infinity stone based. But it was actually that's what I loved about this movie, though it 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 it, it um my expectations like it totally it was a one hundred percent a Black Panther story, and it was all behind the mythology of the Black Panther and the heart shaped herb, and like how the vibranium affected these these people, and it took him to the ancestral plane. He got to speak to his father. I, I when Killmonger took it, and it didn't take him to Wakanda, and it took him to that to that projects that his ha- his uh, little apartment in the projects and he's talking to um his father i'm just like wow this is kind of like night and day difference from like what t'challa went through
2: yeah i was excited to even see what was going to happen yeah they started giving him that ritual and wh- who he was going to see and what was going to take place that was a great scene yeah that's
3: what i love that's what i love about like like you wouldn't have gotten this scene or like the be- the scene at the beginning, 1992, Oakland. You would not have gotten those scenes without this director. Like, if they would have just brought in any other director, we don't get this movie. Like, that's – that's Ryan Coogler, that's his roots. That's where he's from. He's from Oakland. And so, like, that's why – that's that's where we got the Fruitvale Station movie, which is fantastic. That's where this – like, that's what I – that's what – Marvel and uh, – that's why I'm glad that they've kind of, like, loosened the reins with, like, the creative creativity with some of these directors and letting them do their thing because I think it really worked out – To to let them have Ryan Cougar kind of like like do that um, his his own little personal twist to this I thought it was awesome.
2: I agree. So much creativity added to it just from the director's personal experience. I mean, that's only a good thing. And I mean, I think they're going to continue to use this strategy in trying to find filmmakers because it's definitely paying off in the box office.
1: Yeah. You know, it, what I thought after seeing this film was I, I wish I would, <clears throat> could have been a fly on the wall to understand why they went this direction, yet. With Edgar Wright, they wouldn't let him go his direction with Ant-Man. Yeah. I wonder if they've learned from that or... Yeah, I, I just wonder what the difference is because I, I think I think you guys would agree. In the end, I still would have loved to have seen what Edgar Wright would have done with his version of Ant Man. So I'm curious what changed. Why did they let him go this direction? So
2: mm-hmm. I think mean, Edgar Wright just didn't want to play ball at all with being told anything he could or couldn't do because of sure. upcoming movies.
1: Yeah, that could be. That could be. But I, I'm hoping that this is more of a trend where you let your you find the good director. You let them have their voice in the movie and let them because we we see something we've seen something special come out of that.
3: Yeah, Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I think they know
2: the Ant-Man thing was a weird circumstance because it was in production for so long. And I think now when you're signing a Ryan Coogler, it's not something you're springing on him halfway through filming. You're telling him right up front. Here's the guidelines. And he knows what he can or can't do before he even decides to even try to, you know, pin that screenplay.
1: That's a great point. That's a great point.
2: Uh, so I think, mean, and I think that's what frustrated Edgar Wright so much is he'd already penned a screenplay, and then you know Marvel saying, "Okay, Hank Pym, this you can't do that," and he just got frustrated, and that was that.
3: Right. Yeah, one of these days I'd love to know that whole story behind that. Um, uh, also, okay, let's go. Let's jump back to the tech in this movie. Let's jump back to the Black Panther suit. Black Panther suit number one. It, uh, the technology that Shuri gives that suit was pretty fucking amazing because the first thing she does is she, she basically, she, she, she scans something on the back of his neck, like the, the vibranium that's in his body, in T'Challa's body glows on the back of his neck. And then she tells him to tell it to turn on. And he says nothing out loud. He thinks it it responded to his thoughts when his suit came out of that necklace so that yeah, she did some kind
2: of neuro scan it was yes. really cool
3: so it responded to his thoughts so for the rest of the movie anytime we see like the mask come off or anything else with the, with 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 it he's telling it it's his thoughts it's reacting so that's I think that's where that, that's where Tony's gonna get his infinity war prime suit. It's, it's going to be Wakandan, and it could be vibranium for all we know, because I think I think that's it's going to be his prime suit. It's going to um, he's going to be able to put it on with his thoughts. So I'm just throwing that out there right now.
2: Yeah, I think that's a, I think you are ninety percent probably right with that. There's no way that once Tony gets his hand on this vibranium and its technology, that it's not being incorporated into an Iron Man suit.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Like, like, oh my God, that's that's one of
3: the things you got to remind me before we wrap this episode up. I want to talk about like how they can use like all this technology for how important it's going to be for the Infinity War. Oh Oh, my God. super important. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's what's cool
2: is like you said, it was awesome that they didn't, you know, throw it in your face that this Mm. was a marvel movie but that doesn't mean that it's not going to have strong implications on what's to come
3: oh absolutely i felt like it was really interesting when when they were sending the i'm not
0: sure
3: alexa shut the fuck up (laughs) um i don't know if you guys heard that or not um (laughs) why is she talking i didn't say nothing to you Anyway, um she made me lose my train of thought uh but anyway, there was the part where I thought it was really weird um uh, what's his name Wakabi is talking to um, uh, Killmonger about the warlords that are expecting the weapons. Some of them said no, but the three that said yes were the warlords in London, New York. And Paris, No, London, New York, and Hong Kong. What also are in London, New York, and Hong Kong? The three, the three Santorums, the Sanctums, the, so there's the Sanctum Santorum in, um, the three Sanctums, the, the one in, in Dr. Strange in New York, and the other two Sanctums are in, uh, Hong Kong and London respectively. So, Interesting.
1: Uh, yeah. I hadn't even made that connection. So I don't...
3: like. What's up with that? Th- th- there's got to be a reason for that. I don't know.
2: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I would love to see a little bit of a uh, Black Panther, Doctor Strange crossover in future movies. Yeah. I think there's a lot of cool stuff you could do there.
3: Well, that's what I think... Do you think that... Okay, with the final scene in this movie, and I'm going to talk about um, the post credit scene. I, I don't care. We're jumping all over the place. I don't give a fuck. Um, the post credit scene where we get... Um, Bucky in this, we, they call him White Wolf. And in the comics, that's a completely different character. Um, White Wolf was, in the comics, White Wolf was this, he was an outsider. It's the boy uh, and his family are in a plane and the plane crashes and, um, this little boy Hunter, uh, his family dies and so, T'Chaka raises Hunter as his own, as a Wakandan, and then when um, T'Challa is born, um, they're raised together, and Hunter gets jealous of him, but Hunter like, fights really hard to be um, the best Wakandan he can be, and he eventually becomes like the head of the Wakandan police. And then it's like, you know, he, you know, he gets jealous of T- T'Challa and they struggle for power. And I, I can understand why they didn't do that in this movie. It's too much kind of like the Loki, you know, Odin, Thor, that, the you whole know, relationship. It's like another one of those stories all over again. Uh, but, hmm. but I, I think like what they, by calling him White Wolf, they could possibly be leaning towards the fact that he might be kind of like, important to Wakanda later I was hoping to see like maybe Bucky kind of like kind of falling in love with Wakanda and like you know they fixed him like we find out that Shuri's kind of fixed him you know their technology yeah. fixed the brainwashing yeah. but could like, you yeah, yeah, very much have things- a room- oh sorry
1: no, you're, fu- you're fine. This was one of the things I mentioned on the Supercast review was when I saw this scene, not knowing the significance, but it felt like calling him White Wolf had a significant meaning that I, I wasn't aware of. So it's interesting to, to hear this and find this out. Well, see, I, Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah. If, they,
2: if they say it, it's like, is it a Easter egg nod or are you right? Is, yeah. is right. Bucky going to take? like kind of that role possibly in a black panther sequel or in a different
3: movie. That's what I'm thinking. Like black panther two, could he could by the, by the time we get to black panther two, could he be not the head of the police, like of the Wakandan police? Cause I think we're still going to have the Dora Milaje, you know, with the Koye, of course she's going to be like, but they're the bodyguards. She, they're not
1: police. They're not police. Right. So, right. In- you know the one of the th- you can definitely see how they could use that because you think with bucky and his struggles with the programming and everything he you would think that that getting a chance to kind of um, you know, move away from that and live more of a simple, normal life while he recovers. Yes. You could see how he would develop that connection to Wakanda yes. and the people and everything. You definitely I mean, you saw that even in just a brief glimpse. You could see that connection he was developing already. Did you say something about a romantic relationship, Jake? Oh uh, Yeah,
2: I, I guess that probably couldn't happen. With him and but Shuri? It seemed like I – mean, she yeah she's
3: 16 i
2: I just don't think of her as 16 she didn't seem 16 in the movie but right probably not
3: no but i think marvel was kind of like i think marvel was kind of like wanting to with especially with peter parker we've seen him you know they they want to have they want to have more kids in in roles i i mean she doesn't I guess she could pass a 16, but yeah, I didn't feel like just the way she was talking. You didn't feel like, oh, that's a 16 year old, you know, until, right, on,
2: right. until on this podcast, you said that she was playing a 16 year old. Mm-hmm. I never once thought that was the well,
3: case. I, I, you know, I had to seek that out while I'm doing like research for the episode. But oh, yeah, yeah. I,
2: I, that's yeah. interesting. But I did kind of think that like with the White Wolf stuff at the yeah. end. Yeah. I was like, oh, maybe her and Bucky are going to yep. have something going on that. in the future. I can see
3: that. Uh, Also, I wanted to point out in this scene, this Bucky scene, is the fact that she says, you know, um, Shuri tells him that he has much to learn. And then if you look at his robes, he's wearing red and blue robes. And I'm thinking to myself, okay... Is he going to be the next <laughs> Captain America? Here, I mean, is it, are Is the is are they trying to tell us? Are they trying to foreshadow that he's going to be the next? Because they've done it in other films. Like we've seen him hold Cap's shield, and like we're all like, oh shit! They're 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 you know they're teasing it. They're teasing it. They're teasing it. And now here again, he's wearing Cap's colors with the red and the blue robes. I mean, he's got like the like the I think the red. um draped over him and so i mean what do you think
2: you know what i think would be really cool i was actually just thinking about this last week like let's say hypothetically chris evans steve rogers captain america dies okay yeah i think it would be super cool if at the same time both bucky and falcon falcon took on the mantle as Captain America both of them
3: yeah kind of like uh, af- after Superman died we had like you know three what was it how many th- how many super we had the- yeah,
2: yeah yeah, it's a little
3: bit of a combination of that yeah. but I
2: think it's still cool because both of them did become Captain America's for different reasons yes. and moments in the yes. comic books and I think it would be a fun fight to have both of them trying you know fighting for the right to have the mantle of Captain America and then of course that fight would never end in classic comic book style yeah yeah, I don't, so, yeah, that'd I don't cool. know. That'd be cool. I yeah. think Bucky's definitely going to have some kind of mantle beyond being Bucky.
1: Yeah. I'd agree with that totally. Yeah.
3: Man, oh my gosh! You know oh, what? You know, we were talking about like uh, fucking uh, uh, Chris Hemsworth last week on the show. Remember that? we uh, were talking about him possibly saying like he's done with the Thor stuff unless they have a good script. Yeah. Right. And I was like, I was thinking to myself, man, if you leave the, if you, if you, if you're not gonna be Thor and you leave, that's messed up. They filmed, they filmed the last movie in Australia, man, just to make him happy, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. At that point, it's like, come on, guy. Yeah. I don't know. They've been over backwards for you. Yeah. But I, you know, it's hard saying. We don't know what his personal life is. Yeah, that's
3: true. I'm just I'm just throwing that. I know this is a Black Panther review and I'm bringing up Thor, but whatever. Um, I don't know. I I loved uh I try to think of like some of the other cool tech that she used in this. I love like um Ross, let's talk about Agent Ross. I loved his role in this film. Um, him piloting at the end was absolutely amazing. I I loved that. He's uh, you know, top gun and he's flying around and shooting down these ships and shit. That uh, the one ships that look like the um uh, uh horseflies. Those are so yes. cool. I love how they just like they like when they land, they just like the front part lands and the tail yeah, just hangs yeah. off. And then and then when they go to take off, they fall back in that hole and then just shoot out. I thought that that was so cool um how they just fly those those ships was amazing, but his character in this film, I loved him. It really kind of endeared me to his character in this whole movie. Um, especially at the end where, you know, he's he's shooting down those planes, but on, in real life where he's at his location, he's got one of those ships shooting at him at the glass. And, um, he's like, how much, how much power is left in the glass? They're like 50%. And he's like, put me back in. I mean, He's, he's yeah. willing to sacrifice himself to, to save the world, um, from these weapons getting out. And I, he's like the world's only chance here. He <laughs> goes through a bit
2: of an arc to come to that choice too, man. Yeah. He's the, he's the jerk buying the vibranium from yeah. Claw at one yeah, point too. Yeah,
3: exactly. Oh my god, he absolutely is. But they saved his life. They brought him there and they had the technology save his life. And it was like, that, I loved how he's like, he's like, uh, so how long has it been since Korea? And she's like, that was yesterday. He's like, it can't be since yesterday. He's like, you can't get over bullet wounds in one day. She's like, yeah, you can't hear. And it's not it's not magic; it's technology. I'm just like, oh.
2: yeah. I love the how she flippantly brings up hover bikes. Hover bikes. <laughs> it's, it's just like, boy, it's you just, have hover.
3: Yeah, you have hover bikes.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really fun. Yeah, his character was really great, and I agree. Like when he makes the decision, he makes it's not just like tropey movie cheesiness. Like yeah. you really do see what things happened that led to him making the decision he makes, and I the movie did such a great job with that with like so there's like six plus characters where from point A from point B, they actually made a journey and things happened to them that made them make these decisions that they made. And, it was just a fascinating movie as far as the storytelling was concerned.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this this is actually where I'm going to turn around and play the foil one more time to you guys. This was the other part that I, I – I just didn't feel that the whole aerial fight and all that added that much to the storyline. I would have preferred that they use that time in a different way to to do more with, uh, with some of the other characters. Right, so you're, I, you're, you're,
3: you're, you're destroying my movie is what you're doing. I'm glad that uh,
1: you know, – I, I I I get why they have some of this stuff in there. I mean, in the end, this is a summer blockbuster. This is you need these moments to sell toys and everything else. I just don't but feel stakes. like it there's, did that there, much there, there for were the stakes. story
3: itself. There were stakes in that whole thing, but the yeah, Killmonger's but, telling them like we've got warlords in these three different areas that are expecting these shipments of weapons. These weapons are going to change the course of people that are being oppressed. You can get, okay, so some of these weapons could get into the hands of good people that want to do good things. Uh, and some of these weapons could get in the hands of radicals like Killmonger himself. And it, that's a scary thought. And the last person that can stop these weapons from getting out of Wakanda is Agent Ross. There are big stakes in this, in this, in this, in this scene. And so I, that's what I loved about it. Even though I knew he was going to shoot them all down, I, I loved it. I, I thought it was great. Um I I didn't know. I they I didn't know if they I, were going to pull a Coulson here and after the after the the glass is destroyed that ship was going to kill him. He could have died. So I because Martin Freeman, they could have killed him off just like they killed off uh Ulysses Claw, who I thought was great in this film as well. Yeah,
2: he's definitely an expendable character that I wouldn't have been surprised if they killed off.
3: I yeah. and, and I'll tell you one thing, there were some scenes in 3d that were spectacular in this film um the fight the rhinos charging was fantastic this um wakandan like spaceship battle was unreal and then and then the fucking uh the beginning of the movie where they had like the whole exposition story was cool but then um uh the the car chase scene was unreal in 3d other than that
1: and that's I mean, funny three you named four scenes and yes. three of those are my least favorite but I yeah. didn't see it in 3D either yeah. so maybe yeah. that changes my perception of those scenes and how they go if I had seen it in IMAX 3D
2: yeah
1: I'm, Eric I'm
2: curious to think what, what is like in the last like couple of years what is like a defining action set piece moment in any of these superhero movies for you
1: oh you know I, I generally do you, compla-
2: do you just complain about all of them
1: no, no, and not not all of them. And, and again, the I mean, these are minor nitpicks for me. So it's not like I like these ruined the movie for me. I just felt that they were. I mean the whole the whole space, uh, you know, chase scenes. They they just felt like they 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 were just a little bit tropey and could have been used better. When you you've got so many good actors doing so many great things, I would have preferred to see. The 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 roles you, you use that time for more for the for those actors and then the other thing is is I think when we talk about the moments that where the CGI wasn't the greatest save that money and put it towards making better CGI moments make better choices with your money that those were the things that kind of ate at me a little bit so uh, your favorite
2: I, comic book movie is Superman Returns where they they don't <laughs> they, no action set pieces all character development
1: no 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 no. i would i i so so we're one of my if you're i tend to go for the fight scene so civil war would, would be one of my favorites a lot, along with winter soldier and that kind of action that they did those are the kind of moments that i love to see and then when you do do those moments you know if you save on one yeah, or two i of mean scenes, we
3: get to we get to infinity war and if we had not seen like what they're doing here with the technology. By the time we get to Infinity War, we're going to be like, when did they get spaceships? Like, you know...
1: So yeah, I, no, I, I and I it, and I'm not even saying eliminate and you cut all of those. Yeah, it just felt like there was money used in those areas that could have been used better to make other scenes look better. If that makes more sense, I mean,
3: they have got ILM doing their special effects, I, so I don't know right. what they need to do to, to. And I I agree with you; they need to clean up some of these effects. They do. Yeah, I, I felt I like, don't
1: know why you when you're doing that falling scene, why yes. do you have to CGI that? You yeah. know, you can green screen a fight scene like that and it'll look a thousand times uh, it, better. Yeah, it than looked
3: it, it looked ridiculous just the, some of the the physics of that fight too. And I, I understand they're both super they've got they're they're both super human and super powered with the you know with the power of the herb and whatever, but it's it <laughs> you could hear them like it kind of got silent and you hear them punching each other. I kind of giggled yeah. cuz it looked silly and then it was CG. Yeah. it looked better in 3D than it did when I saw it in 2D, but it still like those suits look. It looked like video game bullshit. Um, yeah, and and that Wonder Woman, the third arc of Wonder Woman, suffered from that, and like yeah, it, and it suffered here again. So yeah, yeah. I, but it didn't take. I'm not trying to say like that takes away from like the emotional stakes at the end of the film. Like when yes. like when 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 Killmonger dies. Like I'm like I'm sad. Like I didn't want to see the guy die. It's like not the way. I mean, he fought his whole life for. He'd been wronged. He'd been wronged. Fuck you know. Fuck Tachaka. That was fucked up, man. He killed his brother. I mean, that was fucked up. I mean, this whole kid's life was just, just ruined, and uh, over this. And it, it, that's not. It was. It was very touching that you know he. he he always talked to his father. His father would talk to him about how Wakanda had the most beautiful sunsets, and that's how he dies. He's, he sees that that final sunset, and I'm just like, "That's that's awesome. That is wow. It's amazing." Yeah, I
2: felt so terrible when he basically yeah. kills himself by pulling yeah. the knife
3: out. I was like, "Ugh." I, like, oh. I like it when he goes. Uh, that was a hell of a move. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> when he goes, that's a hell of it. When the when the blade's flying up in the air and Tachaka stabs him like right at the moment. Where the suit is, is closing up to where you can't penetrate it. And um and that that was cool, but
1: you, you know we didn't talk about it as, that much. The look of the look of Killmonger in that first combat scene where yeah. he's got all the scars yes. for every kill all over his body, he just he looks so menacing. <laughs> oh my and God, badass! My God, and the cost of them CGIing his face on my body was—I mean—that was millions <laughs> of dollars spent right here,
3: <laughs> right? I know, man. You were the body. Double for this movie, unreal. Yeah, I know. Wow. Yeah. yeah, no, it was it was a lot of money. I'm not going to lie, Dude,
1: but it was the, worth it. it was when
3: worth it. when he shot his girlfriend in the fucking head, I was just like, oh, it's on. I was like, this, that's what sold me on this this fucking yeah. villain man. Is that yeah. like, okay, I love, okay, I love the, I love the beginning scene too. Like, you know, he's being he, here. He is. He's this black guy in a museum, and all these white guards are around him watching him, and he knows it. He even tells the lady, he's like, you guys been watching me since I got in here. (laughs) I love how he calls him out on it. And I love that. Because that's what it fucking was. It was racial profiling. And he's like, that's what you're doing here. And, um, but, you know, and he feels justified. They stole it from him, from him. They stole it from Wakanda. He's just doing what they did. And I, I, I love that reasoning. And, um, From the get-go, just introducing this character, and he takes that mask. I love that mask, too. That was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That mask is awesome.
1: That that was what sold me. The moment when he shoots his girlfriend and and kills Klaus, yes. that's when they sold me yes. that this was, they were going something completely different with this character than yeah. I was expecting. <laughs> it, which was great development. It was a great way to, for you to realize this man is dedicated to what yeah. his cause is yep. in his mind, Agreed. and he's gonna go to whatever lengths that he feels are necessary for it. Yeah, because like you could see like him
3: thinking for a second and in his mind, I could almost hear him in his mind saying, well, this is as far as she goes in this story. <laughs> pop she's yeah.
2: dead. Uh, don't don't need her anymore. Yes.
3: And man, no lie, like when when Agent Ross is talking about how this guy had racked up so many kills in 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 these wars that it was almost like a like playing a video game. When the way he went after Claw and the way Claw took one shot at him and as soon as he knew where Claw was, pow 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 and then he takes Claw out like it's nothing. Yeah. Yep. I love that yeah. the Claw Circus was so good in this movie. Like everybody talks about, like his his cap performances. But man, he he was really damn good. In the this dude is Jack. Yeah,
2: I love the scene when he uh, makes it rain. Let the guy think that he was going to live, and then shoots him oh, right in the back. That
1: was, I was like, good.
3: Oh, cold. Yeah,
1: his re- yeah, he played the part brilliantly. His reasoning
3: for that was like, um, yeah, we don't want to have them all together and like like tight like this you want to make it look like you're amateurs. Like one guy yeah. almost got away. I was just like, man, that's, that, he's a smart fucking criminal too. I, I liked it when he made it rain in the club. I, I did kind of laugh at that. I was like, Oh yeah, my God, that was funny. That uh, was his cool. sound
2: gun looked great. Oh my God. That, that gun that was amazing. Really cool.
3: Yeah. I'm glad they finally gave oh, that man. to him in this movie.
2: Cause like, yeah, me too. Yeah. Claw's one of my favorites. We're not going to get like the claw that's made, made of pure sound, right. but at least we got some, some of the cool sound yeah. gun effect stuff going on Man, here. I, and
1: and his, his reaction when he uses it, he was so giddy. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. It was I love brilliant.
3: that. I love that. I was hoping like when they were in the casino, I, I, I did like, I love the Stanley cameo. That shit cracked me up.
2: <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> it was just kind of a little bit meta, right? Stanley? uh, clamming onto some money that maybe he doesn't have (laughs) the rights to
3: yeah oh ouch yeah (laughs) Uh, but uh when they with that whole fight scene in the casino could have went on a lot longer for me and they could have sent in more men i would have loved it i wanted it i was actually hoping for kind of like the crazy 88 scene from kill bill volume one
2: I'm with it. I, I, I'm there for that. That's cue the music and let's dude, do that for yes. seven minutes,
3: dude. Because I, the Dora Milaje were awesome, and I wanted to see more. I want. I. I didn't get enough. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get enough of Denai Guerrera fighting yeah. with that staff in that scene, man. It, it kind of yeah. like I wanted to see like more men and more fighting between all three of them.
1: And another yeah, thing is if there was a complaint that I had of things that we didn't get enough of, it was the Dora Milaje. definitely. Yeah.
3: Another thing that kind of annoyed the shit out of me is, like, when they're on the, 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 the train fight at the end of the movie. I understand that the suits are compromised when the magnetic field with the vibranium and all that shit. But the other thing that I didn't understand is, like, we've seen these Black Panthers jump the way they can jump real high. I was just thinking, like, why doesn't why doesn't they just, they just jump over the train? It doesn't, you know. Just yeah, ju- that's a good point. Yeah.
1: <laughs> did that? Did that? Guys, for you, have a little bit of a uh, Darth Maul fight scene yes. kind of feel back to uh, back to Episode One? Absolutely. I felt <laughs> yeah the same a little bit. Thing. I
2: couldn't help. A lot of these superhero movies have these train finales too. I couldn't help but think about um, Batman Begins and Spider Man Two, and, and we, we go to the train a lot. We're getting a
3: train in the Han Solo film. Yeah. We're getting yeah. that space. I don't know if that's the right.
2: end, but uh, that'd yeah. be crazy.
3: Yeah. Fucking. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I think a lot of these, some of these directors, these young directors probably grew up on Thomas the train and it's like infiltrated their brains and they throw
2: mama from the, train. we've had yeah. Tom,
1: we've had Thomas the train too. man?
2: Yeah. Yeah. We've literal Thomas the train. Yeah. Uh,
3: I don't know. I, man, this this killmonger. I don't know. Like, I would put Killmonger up there with like the Heath Ledger Joker, like right neck and neck almost.
2: I'm not. That was good. Oh, I no. need to, I need to see it again. That's a bold claim, but I, I'm not going to. For
3: tell me, you that you're wrong. just that this is just my this is just my opinion. Like nobody else has to agree with me. I I just felt like this is finally since Heath Ledger's Joker. I I do put him over Loki. I do put him over Tom Hiddleston's performance. I, I like I love the way Tom Hiddleston plays Loki. But I feel like Michael B. Jordan brought his A-game, his best performance for this character. Yeah,
2: it felt real. It was real real driving emotion behind this character. And that's my, that was Michael B. Jordan taking what he had on the screenplay and really just eating it up.
1: Yeah, he just ate up every scene that he was in. You could feel almost energy coming off of him in the part. I mean, he he was... Tremendous, it cannot And I would tell you I I do not think It's a crazy statement to, to put Him up there with Heath Ledger I'm not saying he was better, but he's definitely in that conversation when you're trying to consider among the best villains that you've seen on screen. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I, when I think of that group now, he will be in that group along with a Heath Ledger, uh, along with a Kingpin from Daredevil on the small screen. I mean, those are what I think of as yeah. c- classic great villains, a- and he definitely brought that movie to a whole nother level. I loved
3: his like soundtrack when he became king, and he's like, he's wearing that black robe, and he's getting ready to sit down and he's just kind of like looking at everybody like you can tell like the Dora Milaje hates the fact that he's like in charge and Mm Oh man, just the way, just the, the, like Ryan Coogler bringing that cinematographer in there was just brilliant because like that whole scene starts off upside down and then it kind of like turns over, you know, like the camera. And I was just like, oh, this is so cool. I love it. I love this. Yeah, a visually. lot of the
2: cinematography choices were amazing. Like all the fights and the way they angled that they showed the people like observing on the mountain and, and stuff with the cinematography.
3: Like, yeah.
1: The, the Wakanda itself, the yes. way they shot the scenes in terms of the look of Wakanda, yes. I mean, it felt so unique and it was a mix of both classic um uh, uh, of classic, but yet modern in a way. When yeah. you saw the real Wakanda, it just felt modern and and paying uh, tribute to its roots yes. at the same time. It Cause was there was like,
3: there, were, there were huts built into like skyscrapers
1: yes okay and i yeah. mean
3: and it had like uh and like some of the uh, and it had just a very like some of the look of the, like the 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 skyscrapers have like a very just like an african feel to them they the filmmakers they actually said that blade runner the 1982 film is an influence for wakanda city design just how like, like the placement and like the look and everything um also did you guys keep noticing like those those two two skyscrapers that they kept showing like even at like towards the end of the film, the and I kept wanting to call them like the Twin Towers. I have a feeling that's kinda of like what they're going for. And I feel like we're gonna oh. see those destroyed in the Infinity War when the battle takes place in Winconda. I and I feel that it's and I hate to bring that up, but I I, I feel you know Is it like I, a World Trade Center reference? That's Jake, that's me. This is my opinion. My sub hmm. from watching the movie, they they really Focused heavily on these two skyscrapers in Wakanda multiple times within the film. And it's one of the final shots we get of Wakanda is these two skyscrapers together. And I kept thinking to myself, are they, is that what Kugler's going for here? Is he, is he trying to go with kind of like the Twin Towers thing in New York here where we're going to see them Destro- and I hate to bring this up, but that, that's what I noticed when I watched the film because I know that that's that's a part of. You know, my I history could see that.
2: that. I-, I could see that being, you know, an allegory in, in yeah. a future movie, if not the Avengers movie, that a Black Panther sequel. Like I, I, I need to see it more than once. But I do. Even only seen it once, I know yeah. the exterior shots and seeing those two buildings right next to each other, yeah. and I can see what you're coming from. Mm-hmm.
3: So. I don't know. I hate bringing it up. These are things that I'm thinking of when I when I'm watching the film, and I'm just like, "Oh man."
1: Well, and e- even not getting, it's totally staying away from the non-political discussions. It just there's a lot of socially relevant. Yeah. Themes and and things woven throughout this movie, even in that small kind of way, and Ryan Coogler did a very good job of working that into the movie and working in those moments without feeling preachy or over the top or in your face about the things. Agreed, because I would hate that. Yeah, yeah, I, I think they did a great job of having those undertones without making it feel like they were trying to, you know, tell you this is this or this is that.
3: Oh, my God. I think every all three times that I watched this, when uh, when Killmonger calls Ramonda auntie, everybody in my theater oh, died. <laughs> oh, my God. Everybody <laughs> just died in my theaters. Oh, man. Michael B. Jordan's so goddamn good. He's so damn good.
1: Yeah, he's, he's, he's quickly becoming one of my favorite actors that's out part. there.
3: It's so fucked up, man, because, like, you know, I, I remember watching him on, you know— Friday Night Lights, like when Smash, the character Smash left the show and then we got introduced to his character on Friday Night Lights. And I kept – every show when he was on that show, I just kept thinking there's something special about this actor. There's something – there's something special about this actor. And then it's like – then he starts getting roles in other shit and I'm just like, wow – I'm not the only one that noticed this is, this is fantastic. You know,
1: well, besides, besides just obviously the, the, the amazing work he's put into getting into shape. Yeah. uh But besides that, he just he looks. One of the things that struck me is how different he looks now, even from Creed and especially from Fantastic Four. It's like, you know, he's 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 a man now. So I mean, it's it's amazing how much he's developed since those days. Part of me was yeah,
2: I agree with that. He's definitely grown up so much. He's almost not recognizable from you know the way he used to
1: look.
3: Part of me was like. You know, it's like, oh, man, it sucks. I'm not going to get to see Michael B. Jordan in another Marvel film. And but I'm like, man, if if we could only get him for one film, this is the movie and this is the performance. This is he's left his mark in the Marvel universe. And he's for me, he's the best villain that we've ever seen in anything Marvel. And I'm putting that over the Kingpin people. I, 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 my personal opinion is he's better than the Kingpin. He's better than Loki. And I would almost stack him up against Heath Ledger's Joker. I don't, I'd have to, I have to watch it a little bit more, but he's almost like neck and neck. Like, I, I really loved this performance. Like, um, that's, that's what, like, I knew I loved this movie so much, that. but I had to watch it again, uh, the second time to really focus on, um. T'Challa's, uh, Chadwick Boseman's performance. Cause I was so like fucking entranced by, uh, by my Michael B. Jordan every time I watched this movie that I really had to make it like a point to like focus on Chadwick Boseman's performance the second time I watched the film. And that's what made the big difference for me. So. Yeah,
2: yeah I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, I I do think that the arc that the main character has, though, is a brilliant arc, man. I really love T'Challa's arc and where he comes to at the end of the movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, that's a tough
2: decision to go against, like, you know, what his father was going to do and Mm -hmm. to decide to go ahead and, you know, spread the knowledge of Wakanda to the rest of the world. And the implications that's going to have are going to be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So so it's yet to be seen. Oh, go ahead.
1: No, i I was going to ask Brian, you started off when you were talking about how you were really struggling and thinking about your your rating yeah. what, what what were the things that you had to see at a second and third time that really changed, was it was it Bozeman? yes
3: OK, uh, yes. And, it, it, and it was not that I did not like his performance, but I, I, like you, felt like everyone else kind of outshined him. And I wanted yep. to pay more attention to him the second time I watched it because I did not feel right saying, oh, I Tupperware this movie. Yet the main your main hero is not who I think should be in the role. Like something just didn't sit well with me saying, oh, I Tupperware this movie, but Chadwick Boseman, he could, you know, somebody else could be a, could be a better Black Panther than him. When I watched it the second time, I really, I really kind of like, I studied him. And I, what I loved about his character arc was the fact that what really turned it around for me, Eric, was the fact that the first time we see him in the ancestral plane, he's bowing to his father. And the second time he sees his father in the ancestral plane, he's standing up, he's got some emotion. And he's yeah. standing that- up and he's saying, You guys were wrong. He's not bowing down to his he doesn't have this reverence for his father anymore. Like the cur- well, the curtain. His father yeah.
1: says, You're king, stand up.
3: Yes. And so like the second time second time he sees them he's like he doesn't have this reverence the the curtain's been pulled back he sees them for what they are and that they're not perfect they are flawed and he's like I'm going to do things differently I'm going to be my own king and it doesn't matter that his father said like a good king uh, that, that 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 he's a good man with a good heart and that doesn't always make a good king he's he's going to he's going to be that good he's going to be a better King than his father was. And he's going to do that being a man with a good heart. And I was just like, that's, that's what sold me on the performance the second time, because I think the first time I was just so, I was entranced by fucking, uh, Michael B. Jordan's performance as Killmonger, that some of those, the, those, those scenes kind of like just went over my head, you know? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. And I, I, I think, I think like <laughs> the second time I watched it, I, I spent, I, I paid a lot more attention to his performance um and i and i i fell in love with his performances as, as t'challa and i was just like by the end of the second time i'm watching i'm like fuck man I'll, I'll bow down to this 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 guy at this point you know it's like he he was really good in that role <laughs> so um i i don't know let's talk about uh i want to end it with um uh us talking about uh the future uh infinity war um and then i i do have one black panther email um, unless you guys have anything else before we jump into into that, no, I'd love to talk about Infinity War. Yeah, okay. so I feel like this. I feel like without bringing up any Infinity Stones, uh, without uh, any Avengers involved in this film, that this did set up a lot of Infinity War because we've seen in the trailers scenes of Wakanda and it, it being a battleground for for the infinity war. And I feel like them spending the whole movie here in Wakanda and doing this. And I mean, I, we got, I don't know. It, I think Wakanda's going to be a big factor in the next movie and their technology and everything. The one thing that I, the one thing that I do think is kind of crazy though, is like they, it, they kind of introduced like this, this technology that they have, the science that they have of being able to pretty much repair anybody from any injury it felt like you know (laughs) right as as if the the
2: characters aren't indestructible from death enough
3: yeah and then like well and like the all the characters who are kind of like their clothing is like they've got like vibranium laced in their clothing which kind of like makes them bulletproof um and then you know like if somebody gets shot oh just here's one of these fucking little balls i'm gonna shove in your body you know,
0: <laughs> how
1: about the energy you. robes? Their robes can project those energy shields. Yeah, energy shields, and yeah.
3: all it's great. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. It's awesome technology that they've introduced into these movies. Um, I guess like the only way to f- I don't know it just feels like going forward you don't really have to worry about any characters dying though you know yeah maybe
2: they'll maybe th- it's a sign that Wakanda is going to get like freaking nuked in one of the future Marvel movies because it'll be too much f- of a plot problem <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know they have they destroyed <laughs> Asgard
3: you know I, I don't
1: know they but but. One of the things that I think that this ended up doing was what you talked about, for instance, whether they're drawing Twin Towers references or not, but it's drawn a a stronger connection than almost any other area than, you know, maybe a a well-known U.S. city, at least for us, like New York, etc. But it has really set up Wakanda as an area that you care about. For you know, for, to, so that it, there is that much more of an emotional connection if something falls, if there's damage, if people die in that area in in Infinity War, I think they've set that up very well. Yeah,
3: is yeah, are, it's are they going to bring oh, go a stone there to protect it in Wakanda, or are we going to find out that a stone's been there all the the whole time? I don't. That's what I'm confused about. Because I I think, like in the trailer, don't we see that Thanos already has four stones, and and so he's got to get two by the time Infinity War starts?
2: Yeah, and you think you think one will be in Wakanda, or is the vibranium the reason for the war? That's what I'm still confused about.
3: It's got no, it's the stones. I mean, he's going definitely going for the stones, right? Yeah, you'd have to imagine. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm thinking that maybe like I'm thinking that they've brought one of the stones perhaps to Wakanda to help protect it. First off, Wakanda is kind of hidden. So, oh, I like
2: that. It's not native there. They bring it there for protection.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, like, like if this, okay, like, um, like the X-Men do this all the time with like magic, like magic can like hide the X-Men. Okay. And so, um, I, that's what I'm thinking. Like here, Wakanda's is kind of like hidden. um, uh magic i mean the actual character in the x men she can actually you know she's been she's been known to use magic to hide you know the x men like out in the open um and that's what i'm thinking like what they would do here is like wakanda's kind of hidden maybe they can hide one of the stones there and hope and pray that you know that that thanos and like the the black order won't be able to find it but we know that there's going to be a battle that takes place there so
2: yeah oh, that's that's interesting i
3: i wonder how
2: How much time has passed? Because we talked earlier about how this basically takes place a week after Civil War. So that means a lot more time has passed in between this and Infinity War. So how much have the technology have they already incorporated into their units and their battalions?
3: Enough. I mean, as long as it takes for Captain America to grow that beard, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I mean, because like when we see um, when we see Captain America at the end of Civil War, which actually takes place after the events of this, which I'm pretty sure is correct, um, he's he's clean shaven. So it's it's taken a little. It's taken some time. Um, I don't know. So they could have quite a
2: bit of the technology already at their disposal. Yeah, yeah. That that'll be interesting to see.
3: Yeah. Yeah, because Tony's got that suit. I mean, we saw in the trailer that suit form over his clothes. That's 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 the same fucking technology that we just literally saw in this movie. Yeah. So I, I think Tony's been working with Shuri, and I'm 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 probably I think that the uh, the sanctums are going to get destroyed in Hong Kong. And in London. And the only, and the only sanctum that'll be left is the one in New York. And that could get destroyed too. I think that hmm. Thanos will go after those sanctums as well. I agree. Stuff, stuff involving
2: magic is going to be one of his biggest threats. And yes. he'll want to take that out quick. Yeah.
3: And so, and so with the sanctums destroyed, cause I think that they'd want to like protect some of the stones there if they could. I don't know. And then definitely, I don't know, man. It's, I cannot – I'm really looking forward to Infinity War. And what's crazy about this is we're getting Infinity War in May and then literally two months later, we're getting Ant-Man and the Wasp, which kind of like blows me away that like does – so the events that we see in Ant-Man and the Wasp, like the trailers that we're seeing, are those post-events from the Infinity War? (laughs) It could be one of those things, just like Black Panther, where they drop us
2: something right in the beginning of the movie that lets us know, oh, this is right after here, you yeah. know? Yeah. It almost has that feel in the trailer, too, the way uh, they reference the Wasp, like, how it would have been if they would have had the technology during the Civil War battle. Like, yeah, the but- trailer even almost makes it seem like it's a lot closer to that
3: time. Oh, yeah. yeah, we'll see. I, it'll be the first time, I think, that they show a movie kind of, like, out of, out of place instead. you know as opposed to Captain America, the first Avenger, though. I mean, of course, like that had to take a, a time jump and, and we had to go back in the past for that movie. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I, I don't think, I think they can handle that, though. I don't think at this point the audiences would be confused too much.
3: Yeah. I just, I, I kind of don't like it, though, because it, it makes it feel like there's zero stakes for any of these characters. Um, because if the events of, if we find out the events that happen in Ant Man and Wasp actually take place before the Infinity War, or you know what I mean, it's like okay, we like well, I know that character lives, you know. It's like yeah, well, I the
2: more I think about it, I'm starting to think that you're probably I'm leaning towards your line of thought that it, it will take place after because then yeah. why wouldn't the wasp just be in the um, the battle?
3: Yeah, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah, but I'm oh, man, I'm I can't wait for Infinity War now. Black Panther, even though it didn't like directly set up anything i felt like it set up a lot just showing us wakanda and their technology and what they're capable of there so
2: they're huge power players wakanda is like one of the biggest power players now and we understand why i know
1: Uh, how how incredible is it that we're talking this way about a movie and this is number 18 from marvel i mean how crazy is that that they're giving us this level of a film at 18 films it's just amazing.
2: Yeah, it feels like they're they haven't even peaked yet. It's the, yeah. the fact that the stuff is getting better instead of 18 movies in and it's the yes. same tropey nonsense. The fe- it feels like they're learning from mistakes, which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very encouraging.
3: Man, have you guys watched like the trailer for the Red Sparrow movie?
2: Yeah, I saw it actually before this movie. It's 20th
3: yeah, Century. They have it yeah, in the trailer for mine. It's 20th Century Fox. And I was just kept thinking to myself. Now that Disney's buying it, why can't they just rename it Black Widow? <laughs> like, cause like that's the-
2: a quick CG job on what her costume yes. looks like
3: at the end. Yes, I was just like, oh my god, that would make a great Black Widow movie. Like, like the yeah. the whole setup is the, is a great Black Widow movie. Oh my god!
2: Yeah, I, I agree. It looks intriguing. I'm yeah. excited to see it.
3: And I'm telling you, man, I that that fu- the second Rampage trailer. I'm loving it. I don't give a fuck.
2: Oh, it's, I don't give it's a fuck so what anybody says. Of how cheesy it yes. is, I love it too. I
3: fucking love it. I don't give a shit what anybody says. And ah, yeah, big, big, uh, big gorilla and a, and a lizard and a wolf and and it's rampage. The video game, like uh, it's, it's supposed. To, it's it looks better than Pacific Rim Uprising. It does. I'm, I'm telling w- you.
2: I'm with you, Brian. I I think Jumanji proves that this is the recipe for fun. That yeah. we can have fun here with a self-aware action comedy yep. movie.
3: Oh, man. It uh, looks great. It looks great. I don't give uh, a shit what anybody says. It looks great. Yeah. I wish they wouldn't have
2: spoiled that George is going to respond to The Rock even in his final form.
3: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That,
2: I, mean, I was like, oh, that would have been a cool reveal to yeah. see that The Rock's going to be able to get him to fight the other monsters. Yeah.
3: Oh, man. But, but it's just... The, the effects look great. The, the monster looks great, and the 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 lizard. You know, I can't wait. I, it just looks fun as fuck. I'm I'm Jake. I'm going to that. uh I'm going to the ovation the Ovation Grill, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get some margaritas. I'm gonna get fucked up and watch Rampage. It's happening.
2: Yeah, I, I don't blame you. Rampage looks fantastic. Yeah. I, I'm more excited for Rampage than the other. Probably takes itself too seriously. Rock action movie, the the skyscraper.
3: Oh, I want to see that too. But um, <laughs>
2: oh, I want to see it too. But
3: <laughs> it just rampage looks better than uh, Pacific Rim Uprising to me because I I've. I, that it, that movie just looks like it's turned into Bayformers at this point. The way they move, and I'm not impressed. Anyway, yep, we, yep, yep. We got a uh, got a Black Panther email here. and It's from our listener to Souge, and he says, "Hey, leftovers! What a great week for comic books and related media. Black Panther lived up to the hype. I believe that if we are." Uh, if we are to get another 10 years of Marvel movies, then they need to break away from what has become the generic story elements for so- superhero movies. Uh, we've seen this be done with Ant-Man as it was very much a heist movie. We've seen it done with The Winter Soldier as it was a political thriller. And now with Black Panther as it felt at times like a Shakespearean drama due to the conflict within not only the royal family but also the nobles of wakanda but it also had these political elements when it comes to nationalism, humanitarianism and of course racism that i don't think my other marvel movie um that i don't think my other marvel movie could have tackled in such a profound way both the hero and villain were tied to their fran- to their father's accomplishments and mistakes in sympathetic ways. Uh, which brings me to the second thing that I wanted to bring up to you this week, another story of fathers and sons, but one I doubt that you'll hear about from many other listeners this week. About 15 years ago, Robert Kirkman's Invincible came to an end. Not many independent comic books last that long. Um let alone independent superhero books. I won't say too much because I don't want to spoil the series for anyone. I'll just say that much like the Black Panther movie, it was a story about a father's accomplishments and mistakes and the complex, complex legacy that left for his son. In my mind, the greatest comic book of all time. And that comes from Tasuj. So thank you, Tasuj, for the email. And I want to say one thing um to our listeners is I haven't been reading emails, and we haven't been getting that many because I haven't been reading them, and I feel terrible about this, Jake. I I, I I really feel like the thing that kind of, like, drew a lot of people to our podcast was the fact that we were reading emails for a long time.
2: Yeah, we the people's podcast, maybe we should bring that back, on huh, with the emails?
3: Yeah, I feel like – no, I, seriously, I'm being serious. I feel like we've kind of – No, like, me too. Like, lost our way, and I feel like a lot of the reason, like, the Leftover Army was growing – is the fact that we're making these people that we're listening, our listeners part of the podcast and reading their emails each and every week. Maybe we'd miss one week, but we'd always come back. I haven't read emails in weeks, literally weeks. It's because there's a lot of content to cover. And by the time we get through the content, I'm kind of like, you know, I've already been talking for a long time. And, you know, me and you can kind of go down rabbit holes and tangents with these emails. So... I just been. Scared. I think we need to get back on the emails, though.
2: Yeah, this, we, I I completely agree. Maybe we should talk off show even too. I wouldn't be opposed to uh, you know maybe doing a few bonus
3: email episodes here and there. Nobody listens to those. We got to incorporate them into the actual. <laughs> <laughs> you, I'm being honest. I mean, like when we do a bonus email, episode, it's a
2: fantastic point. We gotta, we gotta trap those fuckers. Uh, you want to, you want to hear the
3: Deadpool? Two no, I'll, I'll, I'll continue to put it. I'll, okay, when we do movie reviews, I'm just reviewing the movie, and if you send me an email about said movie, we'll, we'll read that email. Okay, but like, I'm not gonna force anybody <laughs> to like listen to emails after we review solo. Right? Okay. But if we do like a if we do a regular episode, I won't put the emails at the beginning of the episode. I'll I'll leave them at the end. So if you if you don't want to listen to them, if you're like one of these people, can I get a timestamp where you guys stop talking about emails? No, you're not going to have to worry about that. When I when we start talking about emails at the end of the episode, just turn it off, all right? Just turn it off.
2: So, yeah, please, please cuz Yeah, we should do it. I miss the emails. The emails are fun. You bring up the rabbit holes and the tangents. Those are, those are some I think are the most memorable moments for a lot of our listeners. Yeah,
3: and I think like we've kind of lost our way with that, Jake. I think, I think we let this, this, this Z-list fame that we have through this podcast get to our heads, you know?
2: yeah we've lost our way we lost we don't want to get take we don't want like a killmonger to come and try to take our throne
3: no absolutely not absolutely not <laughs> so,
2: next thing you know dan west will be challenging you
3: i know that's fine let's take over <laughs> I'll, I'll let him take over i don't give a shit i will
2: I, brian so puts as, up no fight zero
3: fight i would just i will show dan my belly i as soon as he's like
2: <laughs> and, and like he, a friendly cat yeah,
3: i smell any conflict i am just yeah here yeah so anyway, <laughs> Eric, I want to thank you for joining us for our Black Panther review. Um, I, I didn't I didn't I, I saw that the Supercast episode had been uh, uploaded today and I was like, no, I don't I don't want to know what he even thought about the movie. I'm not going to listen to that. Uh, I'm going to wait. To, <laughs> I, no, I'm not saying that I won't listen to it. I'm saying I didn't want to listen to it before I had you on.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I appreciate it. I yeah, appreciate that. definitely got to unpack a lot more things on here so it's always uh, always enjoyed joining you guys yeah.
2: alright there you heard it All right back from Eric this was better <laughs>
1: <laughs> no he said I don't he didn't say better I like you guys more I'll be honest I mean that's no lie I mean I obviously like you guys a hell of a lot more than Joe and David for sure <laughs> <laughs> alright and uh, we will see you back
3: next week uh, episode 222 222
2: what? yeah that's fucking awesome we're yeah. like a jefferson spinoff now
3: no that's 227 chief ah oh, fuck no and oh. i've already soon soon you already blew it man i was gonna play the theme song for 227 on episode 227 we could still do that i'm still doing it it's happening do you know 227 <laughs> is the third spinoff i believe from uh is the other one mork and mindy no 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 no. mork and mindy is a spinoff from oh, happy, days. happy days happy days no no uh the Jeffersons actually came from um, our, the Archie Bunker show. Oh, that's, that's all in the family. All in the family, yeah. So all in the family, and then and then those some of the uh, the characters from All in the Family, uh, then that turned into the Jeffersons. Some of those some of those characters from All in the Family were on the Jeffersons, and then yeah, then like the George, Jeffersons, yes, and then the Jeffersons spun off into Two Two Seven. I loved 227 when I was a kid. I used to watch that shit. I loved it, too. I don't know why. I feel like if I watched it
2: now, I would not like it. I wouldn't like it, either. Did you watch Amen? Uh, I remember Amen, but I don't think I watched it.
3: I, I watched 227 because I loved Jackie. Uh, Jackie. A. Jack a. Yes. <laughs> yep. She used yes. to yep. crack my shit up, man. I don't, I don't, I, we didn't have
2: anything when we were kids. So, we. I mean, fuck. I was watching Designing Women, because what the fuck else was like I going to Oh,
3: watch. fuck. I was watching Designing <laughs> Women, too. Hold on. I was hey, did you see that they're going to have a fucking revival for uh, – what's her name? Uh, Candace Bergen's show. What's What was she doing? Oh, Murphy Brown? Murphy Brown's coming back.
2: I'm actually excited for that. Um, fucking A. I mean, I she wonder if, so hey, political. Is,
3: is the painter still painting her fucking house? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I bet so. I bet, I bet so. so.
3: I will die if he's still fucking painting her house and shit. If she's still harassing
2: Dan Quayle. Oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Did you watch – Yeah, did, I'm, exa- I'm Eric, did you watch Murphy Brown? I did. I did. Yeah.
2: Oh, man. I love Candace Bergen.
3: Did you, uh, have you ever heard about the episode? Did you you ever watch Too Close for Comfort? Oh, Too Close for Comfort. Love Too Close for Comfort. Ted Knight? Yes. Did you, have you ever heard of the episode? It's called, um, I think it's called, uh, For Every Man There's Two Women. And it's the episode where Monroe gets raped by two women. I'm not kidding you. I am not kidding. Happens in the fifth season. I swear. Whoa. I swear to you. Wow. Monroe on the show was this, yeah, Black Panther episode. I'm talking about an 80s sitcom where a man gets raped. (laughs) Deal with it. Anyway, just turn it off. Turn it off. This it's is like, completely relevant. Don't completely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn this back into the Black Panther episode. It'll all make sense here in a moment. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, there's an episode. I guess like Monroe is. Um, he's a. Uh, I've only seen clips of it. I've never seen the entire thing. It's very hard to find. Um, but uh, Monroe's a security guard, and he gets off work. And he's walking back to, like, his his uh, motorcycle that he's going to ride home. And two women, like, throw him in a van and, like, take advantage of it. They don't use the word rape on the show. But, like, Ted Knight's character says, like, these two women were kind of, like, overcome with, like, the way they felt about Monroe and had their way with him. And I'm just like, <sighs> so it's, like, like very um, progressive. But they do it in such a joking manner that it's, like. It's, it's not progressive. It's actually regressive. It's just such a weird fucking premise for an episode. Yeah, that's, <laughs> no, that's I, bizarre.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I vaguely remembered something along those lines, but I could not tell you. I, I, I never could have given a synopsis like that. Uh, I mean, not, but God, yeah. Oh, geez. God, too close for comfort. Never expected us to go to, to play the too close for comfort cards or Monroe. with uh, Card on this episode. Oh, uh, Monroe got raped. Crazy.
3: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Sorry. Yeah, it's a thing that happened. Eighties man. Eighties television. I would love I would I could just do I could do an eighties television podcast. I would, I would love oh, that. Oh, yeah. I'd be
1: so there with you.
2: Just re- I want to talk about Night Court, man. I, oh,
1: I would be so there with you. I ya. love Night Court. Bosom
3: Buddies. Bosom Buddies. So port. Yeah. Soap. Head, of the court. Soap. Head,
1: of,
2: head
3: of the class yes, is probably nineties, right? It's eighties and nineties. That like okay. that, yeah, that it started I think like an eighty that started like in eighty six, man. Okay.
2: Okay. Oh, I wasn't one hundred percent. I knew yeah. it was probably early '90s. Still on though, what right? Was it?
3: Eric and Simone, that whole thing. We had they. We had years of Eric and Simone. There was there was way that Eric and Simone is like pre like like uh Dylan and Brenda, right? <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> ridiculous what did you think about jason priest oh god i'm ending the episode we'll talk about this shit off air we'll talk talk about this shit off air all right guys all right wakanda forever (laughs) wakanda forever and just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags thank you for your patronage thanks for listening we'll see you next week
1: thanks for listening to pop culture leftovers
3: congratulations i don't know how you did it i couldn't do it
0: Like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that makes us happy like shooting at a walk, Brad, but it's all the we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it,
2: it, It's a trap
0: Couldn't to toss it, couldn't to taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, clean and waste it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture mm-hmm. spittle over like a vulture Carryover culture push over Pop culture yeah, Leftovers And we're the uncool kids What's this say it's already been said? Leftovers yeah. Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing Culture leftovers, podcasts that are original and good have already been done before. So we should separate the wheat from the chaff. And we the chaff, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the poor kids. It, it, it's a trap. Toss it good and taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's face it kid, Race it, let's embrace it Tupperware party Subculture spill over Like a vulture carryover Some culture push over Pop culture Leftover And with the uncool kids What's to say has already been said Leftover, leftover. Pretty sure the Only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftover mama, 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 Pop culture left- Cross it, taste it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace it. Tupperware party, subculture, spill over like a vulture. carry over counterculture, push over. Pop culture, leftovers. The uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Let's go. Pretty sure. Leftovers, it's the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture, leftovers.